On this week's episode of Cocktails and Comics, we talk about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th, as well as talk a little bit of politics. So if you would feel better skipping that, go right ahead to about 35 minutes and 40 seconds on your listening device, and you will hear John's lovely screaming goat to let you know that that conversation is over. Thanks for listening. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Cocktails and Comics, round two. Uh, I think it's safe to say after the week we've all had uh, being back at work, kids back at school, uh, I don't know, people storming the Capitol, climbing it like it's some kind of uh, climbing wall at uh, your local uh, outdoors sporting goods store. Probably time to crack open uh, a drink and just sit back and and have a, a nice conversation with friends and and with that I am joined by Brian I still play D and D Hughes hello Brian it's true I do I roll my dice and I kill them damn them their orcs <laughs> I'm also joined by John who makes the packages come on time Hyatt hello John hey there. And finally, Tim, I go hiking in the desert with my dog and my wife because I have so much free time. Elliot. Uh, that and, you know, I have free time and no money, so. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a bunch of great stuff to talk about tonight. We are going to talk just like around one. We'll do a little bit of kind of current events, and then we're going to dive right into comic talk. And a little bonus here with uh, Star Trek Discovery, which just ended its third season. Uh, depending on if you're in any Star Trek groups, uh, it's definitely a, a love it or hate it show. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what my friends have to say about it. And we should say this will probably be heavy spoilers. So if yes. you haven't seen the, the final episode or any of it, then turn us off right now because I think we'll probably spoil a lot of it. Yeah. yeah, and I Absolutely. will give fair warning when we transition to that, so you can pause it, go watch three seasons of of <laughs> Star, Star Trek, Trek Discovery, Discovery. <laughs> and come back. Um, but before we begin and talk about current events that have unfolded this week, we have to go around the dining table here and talk about what our beverage of choice is tonight. So, first up is Brian. Brian, what is your beverage of choice tonight? It's it's a mutant kamikaze. It's uh, 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 equal parts vodka. Uh, I've sub excuse me substituted yeah <laughs> substituted. I don't, I don't uh, think it's uh, equal parts vodka. Yeah, orange, orange liqueur provided by my brother for the triple sec and Mountain Dew for the sweet and sour, and it's got quite a kick. And I've already finished. I've already finished um, a couple of these. You're good. We can, I may have to stop or my kidneys are going to crack. <laughs> kidneys, schmidneys. Uh, <laughs> two of them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You can lose one. Uh, right. Share the spare. <laughs> that's, that's right. Just like the Klingons. As God intended. <laughs> um, John, what is your beverage of choice tonight? I'm going back with a rum and coke classic. Mm. 
Mm, John always keeping keeping to the standards. Yeah. Um, Tim, what is your beverage of choice tonight? I, I just want to say, uh, keep what is it? Uh, uh, he says, keep it classy, San Diego. Keep yeah. It, keep it classy, John. <laughs> uh, my uh, well, my I start out with with a shandy, which is my go-to uh, womanly drink, which I'll fully freely admit, um, which is uh, Blue Moon and lemonade. But now I am on to uh, Jimmy and Ginger, which is Jameson whiskey, fiery ginger syrup, and diet Canada Dry ginger ale. Uh, Tim, I will just tell you that a shandy is not a woman's drink. Um, it's a very popular <laughs> drink all across Germany uh, in the summertime. It is equal parts beer and lemonade, and everyone drinks it there. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd be surprised how hard it is. And that I, Everywhere I go, especially if I go into what's, quote, an Irish pub, and say, I'll have a shandy. And sometimes they'll look at you like, what's that? And you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, this is an Irish pub. You should know exactly what that is. Uh, and a lot of places will serve it with beer and 7-Up or beer and Sprite because they don't have lemonade. But it wasn't until we went to Disney Springs where you go to the um, uh, the bar that's owned by the guy from Raiders. Jack's Bar, um, Jock's Bar, I think. And they serve it with beer and just simple lemonade, simply simply lemonade. And that is tastes Reggie a... there. <laughs> Reggie wasn't there. Reggie wasn't there. But that's a cool bar if you have if you ever get to Dizzy Springs because it's 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 done up like, you know, he's this guy that, you know, hung around with Indiana Jones. He retired. He opened a bar. It's kind of airplane themed. But there's all these Easter eggs all over the place of stuff from the movie maps and. That, that gold idol's in there somewhere, and it's all this stuff. So if you ever get a chance to, it's on the water, so you can kind of uh, have lunch looking out over the, the, I guess, the man-made lake there. They've got the Disney Springs, but I highly recommend it. Sounds like Westworld. Well, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when we had a big meetup um, two years ago when I went to Orlando for... Uh, celebration and there's it happened to be just you know the, the plants were aligned because gene uh gene was there scott of course scott lives there but andy was there visiting and a couple other guys came in shag came down bill came down so there were about 20 of us from two two freaks that met up and had lunch and that was a you know that's if you ever get a chance to do that's a great time i can imagine well, I am tonight not having Crown and Dr. Pepper. I thought I'd class it up. And I'm having Jack Daniels, single mm. barrel, and mm. Dr. Pepper. Which uh, I have to temper myself because that single barrel is uh, a little stronger <laughs> than the Crown. So, if, you know, regardless of what the label says, my, my, uh, my body's telling me that uh, it's a little stronger than, than the Crown. Oh, yeah. So, uh, now that we know what everybody's drinking, and what a week for having a drink, because the events at the Capitol on Wednesday, it's only been a couple days, and I don't know how you all feel, but I am still just dumbfounded. So, um, I'd like to hear how you guys found out. So, I, you know, like people over 35 right who care about the news i have alerts set up and you know this alert shows up on my phone i'm just here working away in the office and 
you know, it says, you know, protesters, you know, storming the Capitol. And I thought, what the, you know, what the H-E double hockey sticks is this about? Open it up, right? And then I flip on the news and it's like, is this some third world country? Is this a movie? Like, is it a joke? And, of course, we all know it was not a joke. Um, You know, several thousand protesters in Washington, D.C. stormed the Capitol while it was in session um, in an attempt to, I guess, in their mind, through muscle, overturn the election results from November. I honestly thought I would never see anything like this in my lifetime. And, And... I am, by nature, a glass-half-full person. I try very hard to be... uh, Or half-empty, I'm sorry. Uh, I try very hard to be the glass-half-full guy. But it's one of those moments in time where you reflect back and and you think, is this what we've been building to? Is this where we're headed as a country? It's it's just really mind-blowing. I I actually saw it as it was happening. I um, I'm a, a news junkie in a way. The the thing is, my background was actually broadcast journalism, and uh, I turned my my back on it uh, 25 years ago. And so, but I had uh, what four news channels up on the Newsmax, hmm. not not Newsmax, Newsmix, on my direct <laughs> yeah, TV. Yeah, be careful. Be careful yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I was watching all that as it was going on, and I was just in complete and utter disbelief. And was I was on a conference call and giving a running commentary to my coworkers who were completely unaware what was going on. I'm just, guys, turn on your TV. This is insane what's going on right now. And just seeing what was going on on the floor uh, there uh, of the house, it was just, uh, and I can't say surreal, because to me, it wasn't surreal. Surreal is something you never expect to happen. And unfortunately, I expected something like this to happen. Um, just with with everything that was going on, the egging that was going on during the day, all the crap we've been hearing, and just the buy-in that so many people have uh, of that that right. radical right-wing, you know, media that, you know, the... Uh, Newsmax and OAN and other stations like that have been thrown out there. Now, there are people probably going to disagree with us, probably going to say you guys are wrong, but I'm sorry, proof is in the pudding. We saw what happened here. The results are right there. And, uh, you know, it's just, (laughs) you can sit there and talk about all the other stuff, but these guys got slapped on the hand compared to what happened to the, 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 the other riots and things going on. Yeah, there was a lot of criminal activity that happened during the year, in other riots and other things. But uh, a lot of these people got off a lot easier and let walk, got to walk away. Well, first of all, they were just let in, and yeah. the Capitol Police took selfies, and, I mean, this... Yeah. Because I don't think anybody... This is, this, is just us. Is, this is just us, John, sitting, talking. You could tell us how you felt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. <laughs> It was disgusting what they did. Uh, those cops just let them in, and uh, uh, they tried to stage their coup, you know, because they can't handle a legitimate election. So um, this it was disgusting. 
Tim, any any thoughts on the, the subject? Uh, I I think I'd heard about it just because we don't I don't have news on during the day um, and we don't have regular TV. So, but my wife I usually rely on her because she's just zeroed in on COVID and everything else that's going on. So uh, usually I will get in that. That's why I think I'd heard something about it, and then when she came home, she said, "Oh, did you know what happened?" And I kind of got she kind of distilled it for me. So that's how I found out about it. But it was um, it was a uh, uh, I don't and I'll, I'm gonna be come out here and say this, I don't talk politics. Um, so if I'm brief on this, don't take that the wrong way. I just don't talk politics, but. It was. Uh, it wasn't so much surreal for me. It was more like when, if you remember where you were when the trade. You know, I remember when the trade center right. hit. I was at work, and it, when, of course, we don't have news. Everybody, people would just be coming in, customers, and say, "Oh, well, this happened. This happened." You're like, "What? What's going on?" You right. get snippets, and then you think, "No, that didn't really happen. That didn't really happen." Then you get home at night, and you see the news. Oh, it really did happen. So it was. A little like that, but with everything, it, but the way 2020 had been going, I think that kind of made, they kind of, it, if, if nothing else had happened in 2020, then this would be like, wow, this is a huge thing. <laughs> just but, one more. One yeah, more but it, just, it did. It seemed like, okay. It's 2020 has rolled over to 2021. Yeah, and you, I think you've become still... a little numb to it. And uh, not that, you know, you shouldn't turn a blind eye to it, but I think it's, it's just, oh, that happened so yeah and we're we're seeing and and, you know i i will lay my feelings bare i mean when when this thing was unfolding part of it was disbelief part of it was you know disappointment right that regardless of what someone's political beliefs are that there are certain things that are i don't want to say sacred but they're national treasures, right? I mean, the Capitol, the White House, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Monument, right? And the list goes on, right? Of places that, you know, hold special significance for the country. And to see people going in there and basically trashing for for no other reason other than just to cause mayhem and destruction. There were people that defecated in there and smeared it around. Mm-hmm. There was a guy walking around with a rebel flag. Now that's the yeah. first time anything like that has ever happened. Right. Now, no, that should be sacred. It should be sacred. It should be treated with, you know, with a, a higher level of respect than you know your average building. You know. Yeah. The, the what what it really drew into stark contrast because I mean we all have you know either friends or family members that. I don't want to say have drunk the the Trump Kool-Aid because this is I mean he is the nexus of it and I'll just put I mean I will put that out there and I'm not ashamed to say it he's the nexus of it and I I did not know that he had made a speech that morning because again you know I'm working like everybody else I didn't know that he made a speech that morning where again he was touting you know that the election was stolen and we're going to show them and this and that and that really incited you know and riled up these uh, quote unquote quote protesters um, to do what they did. What 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 really concerns me, kind of in the aftermath of all of this, is how do we break through the bubble that some people live in, apparently, where they are being fed lies. I mean, well, there's no a nice way to put it. They're being fed lies. 
Well, here, here's the thing, is that you're being lied to on a wide variety of platforms. Um, and I'll, I'll, the best explanation I can give for it is, let's say we've got a left-wing uh, uh, news service and a right-wing news service, all right? And let's say that there was a running race between the two. And we'll say for the sake of this conversation that the left wing won it, all right? The next day, the headline would read, in the, from the left wing side, it would, ring, uh, it would read, in the big race, uh, left wing won, right wing came in last. And the right wing's r r report would come out in the, in the race yesterday, the, left, uh, the right wing came in second, left wing came in next to last. And that's the best way to sit there and paint, you know, how we're provided the information. It is, you know, it's it's not completely honest from either side. It's given its own slant or bent. If you want to know what you know, which way the media leans when you're looking at a website, you can tell by the pictures that they post of the prominent figures. If they've got a picture of Trump that looks ridiculous, it's going to be left wing. If it is one that makes him look nearly dignified, it's right wing. And the same thing with you. If it's I a picture that. that makes if it's a picture that makes Nancy Pelosi look drunk, it's right wing. If it's a picture that makes her look like she's got her balance, it's left wing. I'm I'm just saying, you know, that that each is slanting things their own way. Now as far as what's going on with news media outlets like Newsmax, OAN and others out there that are on the far right fringes yeah, they're reporting a lot of hearsay, a lot of you know things that people are saying, but they have not got a whole lot of facts, and that's the thing. It's it's the yeah the, like, the, like the line the, between news and editorial has gone away, and they've even they already backed Tucker Carlson into a corner where Fox has said only an idiot would believe that he is serious news. <laughs> mm-hmm. They said, yeah, we don't expect people to believe that he's real, and yet people do. Because he's presented as such. Yeah. And, and then these groups can't hide behind that, right? Like, oh, you know, we, we, we assumed everybody could read between the lines. I don't think that's a safe assumption anymore. No. But what, what the thing is, what Newsmax and OAN are doing, though, is they're presenting these alternative facts. That's oh, a term that started that. off four years ago. Yeah. And, you know, the 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 people that read it buy into it completely because because it's what they want. It makes them comfortable knowing that, you know, they're right. And, yeah, and that's that's the, that's, that's the that's scary hard. part of that's these seductive. protests is because they they really, you know, you listen to some of the interviews. Now I try and balance out my news media consumption you know um i will not read fox news period i you know i don't go to newsmax or oan or any of those it's usually split between like the big ones you know cbs nbc msnbc cnn uh usa today ap news and you you watch some of the clips they have of interviews with the protesters there i mean a lot of them really believed believed to their core that the election was stolen and that there was rampant 
fraud across the country, everywhere. And we can, you know, that's another topic for discussion, right? This whole proliferation of conspiracy theories and, and the popularity of them. Well, I, I'll tell you right now, we're, we're going to lose listeners based on this. Based, based on what we said already, already, we've lost listeners for good. You know, there are people that are never going to listen to us again because of, of, of this. And, and you know, it, it's not things people want to hear. They just don't want to hear that, you know, that it's slanted one way or the other, and they just want to believe that they're, what they're hearing is the God's honest truth. Yeah, and I really feel like that those people are being manipulated, you know, either knowingly or unknowingly into, you know, I, I, you, you, know you want to believe that it's serving some broader agenda, but there really isn't an agenda. You know, that was when I was watching them when they breached the you know inner barricades and i put little air quotes up because as as john pointed out you know i mean some of the police officers there the capitol police just opened the doors for them what did they hope to accomplish well that's the thing they didn't think it through they thought they were going to have enough support behind them to actually get something done uh well, I'll, I'll pipe what? in on this and say that I think. And, and take a look at that that thing I put there um, in Skype for you guys to see. That's a like a media bias uh, chart that shows left wing, center, and right, and you know where all the various networks and all that. Take. And and the thing is, when I'm sitting there reading the news, I'm reading all across the spectrum. I want to know what everybody's saying right. to kind of try and glean what the actual facts of the matter are. I mean, you basically can tell by the, the the way that they write it, how they're trying to slant it. And, you know, it's it's sickening, not just what the right is saying, but what the left is saying every day. Because every time they talk about the election they, and they talk about the the votes and everything, they're, they're always throwing in, you know, the egregious lies of the fraudulent voting or whatever. They're all, They're always peppering in that into the conversation so it is common rhetoric amongst you know all their all their listeners all their readers all their viewers and the right does the same thing when they're you know put putting that on there but you've got to kind of sit there and push all that aside and just try to distill it down to the facts and see what the common information is yeah and i don't disagree with that at all and i, I think if anything it's shown that even post what happened at the capitol there was not unanimous um, rejection of what happened by both sides. Now, the heavy, heavier part of that is on the Republican side, but you want to believe that, and call me naive, at the core, right, we're all Americans, mm -hmm. and we're all in this together, good and bad, and, you know, when you take a step back, you know, we're supposed to take care of each other and treat our fellow person with respect that they deserve and I, I'm worried that that is it, we're losing that and I don't know what that means long term for the country if we don't change that trajectory well okay you remember I mean all of us here have read The Watchmen right? Yep. Okay and what happened in The Watchmen to dispel the, the, the possible world war from happening? Space squids? Yeah, we need squids falling from the sky. Right, right. <laughs> a neutral what, enemy. 
Right. What what it was was a common enemy for everybody to galvanize behind. Now, you can sit there and look down history uh, a long time. You can see that whenever, you know, someone was given a common enemy, they were able to find a way to come together and fight them. Uh, when you look at World War One and World War Two, you saw this. Now, Hitler, Mussolini, uh, the, the Japanese, they all Stalin. went to... Yeah, Stalin and then uh, Mustafa El Ataturk all went to the same school of finding an enemy to point toward point everyone towards and you know Hitler used the Jews and and so on and so forth and you know then of course they made it real easy for us when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor they made it real easy for us to sit there and say okay these guys are the enemy in more recent times it's been harder to point at someone since the Russians were pretty much defeated in the Cold War it was very hard for our people to sit there and point at someone and say they're the enemy because it became the terrorists who were hiding in plain sight or hiding in the caves and or living among us. And, it, it, you know, the, the politicians had to sit there and find someone to point to to say these guys are the enemy. But they forgot and just started pointing at each other and saying they're the enemy. And that's what they've done. Each side has hunkered down and said... You know, the right is the enemy, the left is the enemy, well, and they've divided the country as a result. The I think it's human nature for as humans that we gather in groups and we tend to gather with like-minded people and let this court, be your last battlefield. Right? Yeah, you're, you're gonna you know you're gonna gather in a group with people that you know it's like cliques. You're gonna get in a group with people that think the same way. It, you see it in. You see it, and it's no different than, than in, let's bring it back to, to what we talk about normally, the comic fandom or movie fandom or sci-fi fandom or sure. just fandom. You know, yeah. uh, DC um, sucks. Yeah, movie comics. Exactly. Well, it, yeah. it used to be DC or Marvel, which are you. Oh, DC's better, Marvel's better. And within that, there's, oh, Zack Snyder's a terrible director. Oh, I love his stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's what... Right. It's and it's become so split that it's there's no gray area. It's either this is the greatest movie I've ever seen, this is the worst movie I've ever seen, and right. and there is a, and I and I'm guilty of this myself that there was so much with the internet. There's so much um, commentary in everything. You know, you can oh, go yeah. on YouTube and you can find a video on whatever subject talking about it, and there's kind of a weird feeling of I don't really like this. So I'm going to watch a video of somebody else who doesn't like it, and somehow we can kind of share that. And somehow you get a weird kind of pleasure out of, oh, they don't like it either, so I'm kind of justified in me not liking it. And that... Well, it's interesting you say that, because I had read an article not too long ago that was talking about just that, that by nature we're inclined to seek out things that are like us, right? So to your mm -hmm. point of, well, I hate you know, the Zack Snyder DC movie. So I'm going to type in Zack Snyder sucks right into Google and I'm going to find 55 YouTube videos and I can just watch those. And the article was talking about how technology has made it easier for people to live within their comfort zone. And that is a byproduct of us not coming together as communities as much anymore. Right. So you knowing all of the neighbors on your street right their first and last name and their kids and what they do and 
and talking with them where you would get by nature of conversation you know differing opinions on things and so you'd be forced to have those conversations with your neighbors and concede right certain views and maybe be enlightened by their view on something but because so much of modern society is saying well look you know to your phone or to your tablet or to your computer you know for those types of connections versus looking outside right if you're to your point dave if if because the the internet does offer so much of vast information of whatever you want that it's it's easier for you just to see your side of something if you see just your side of something you're not gonna you're not there's no way your opinion's gonna change it's gonna be i hate this oh all these guys hate it too then i'm justified i'm right yeah it makes me feel better and not only that uh most social media is geared towards oh you you typed in i hate Zack snyder well here's a bunch of other yeah. stuff like that so they keep right. feeding it, and so you're you're never going to get you're never going to get a very broad, you know, idea of if you're only seeking out stuff. Yeah, that, differing your opinions. justification, your justification. Yeah. Then you're never going to get another idea about it, uh, and that's that's kind of sad because you don't get, you know, it kind of puts everybody in their own little groups, and you don't get a real melding. You know, fandom used to be, yeah, we all, you know, oh, we're Star Trek fans. We have a common like Star Trek, but right. within that, there are lots of different groups. I like this, I like that, but I never got to be really uh, kind of antagonistic or hostile. I mean, it's downright hostile, the stuff you see. Oh, for sure. And that's another thing the internet has made. Everybody is feels their opinion is more valid than anybody else, and you have to listen to my opinion, and oh, if that's your opinion... Well, I hate you now because you've said this thing. You know, you like this well, movie because, and you're stupid. Because Tim, I, I you're not you're not Tim Elliot. You're Tim Elliot, the faceless right. avatar. Right. I can be brave because yeah. I'm not up. Ne- I'm not standing next to you or having a, across the table from you saying your opinion sucks. It's you know I can say that all day long online because I can type it, but it's just it's a shame that that it's kind of come to that. Yeah, and just to to wrap this up. Um, and I, I'm sure you all agree. I hope that the events of this week lead to something better coming out of this. I don't know what it's going to be, but I am deeply troubled by the fact that there are a lot of people out there that are being, you know, misled, lied to, whatever you want to call it, alternative facts. And I, I don't blame them. I blame what's being presented to them. Um, that is not the truth, and that's it's sad to me because they I don't I don't for a minute doubt that they have conviction in in their views. It, it's just misguided because of what they've been given. And I think because well, nobody wants to take the time to either read or research, they're all reacting to headlines. It's just like you, you get this stuff on Facebook and Twitter and. Everything else just hits you like... Not anymore. Well, no, but <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about... Trump any, has been <laughs> completely banned from Twitter forever. Yeah, I'm uh, not talking about uh, Trump. Google. I'm talking about just whatever... Yeah, it's not whatever, just him. It's, whatever, it's everything else. Whatever, whatever but, the information is, you're getting it blasted in these little... In these little 10-second little blurbs of like a headline. And you're not even bothered to read the article. You're reading the headline that says A is bad because of B. 
and you're like, oh, I, that, oh, that just infuriates me. And you don't bother to read the, or make up your own mind. You're just letting somebody else tell you this is how you should feel because it's kind of the way you've been leaning anyway. Yeah. So I think people don't need to slow down, take the time to read, and, you know, do a little research. Talk to somebody else, you know. Talk to, you know, if somebody has a differing opinion, talk to them and find out, you know, maybe they're not the monster you think they are and vice versa. They're not gonna, they'll find out you're not the, the monster they think you are. And then suddenly you you you've seen that all the time. It's like in film, yeah, you know, but, they get together because, like, oh, you're not as bad as I thought you were. But the thing that's <laughs> happening is is that when is that where we jump in the air, Tim, and we do like the arms in the air and legs up jump? Yeah, yeah. And it freezes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's like uh, Rocky at the end of Rocky Four. If you can change and I can change, everybody can change. Right. <laughs> But uh, no, but but what I was saying though is that with Trump being banned from Twitter, most of his followers are going to dump Twitter completely, and want to go someplace else that's going to allow them to support those views. And Parler has just been uh, knocked Kicked down off by the Google, App Store. Google well, apps? both Google and Apple. Oh, now are, Apple's come too to the uh, to the table. Apple said they were said they were considering taking it down, but it looks like they're gonna. Well, see, and that's that's what's so funny about this. I mean, not funny, funny, but I never even heard of that app until I saw that come up in an article saying that Google had pulled it from their app store. And I'm like, what the hell is Parler? I've never even heard of this thing. And then, you know, of course, that sends you down the rabbit hole of what this is. And it's like, oh, it's a right, you know, it's labeled as a right wing fringe, you know, communication platform. And it's, and then they, you know, I've read several articles that. You know the FBI were tracking people on there leading up to what happened at the Capitol because this yeah, because that's where uh, the plans were. That's where the plans. You know the notifications are going out to everybody. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. And you know, so yeah, there was a, that's that's specifically why uh, that's happening. But in the last couple of weeks and months, you know, as, as the election went on, and you know the results came out, I had a number of relatives and other friends in Facebook say they're leaving Facebook to go to Parler uh, because they, they prefer a place where they could have a free exchange of, of ideas. And You mean go hide in their bubble? No, you mean white supremacy and all that stuff. Well, and, and the thing is, like, I, I've not been on Parler to even know what that is providing. The reason why I got onto Facebook in the first place was simply to be able to keep in touch with people. Yeah. You know, and that, that I found that there's, you know, things to look starts, at and things to share. And, yeah. <laughs> like comics. <laughs> comics, the addiction, it just never stops. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, I, I may be addicted to comics, but I'm addicted to older comics. I can't get into the new ones. I've tried. Me too. That's why I, that's why I keep sending you stuff. Oh, I'm going to be sending you guys another care package, by the way. So, you know, oh, that. that's so cool. Um. <laughs> I, I think though that we've talked enough on this subject. And we it's, have, it, it, and, and it is winding us a little bit. So we should, if we had Kirk's cowbell, now would be the time to shake it. Oh, John, where's your screaming goat? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. The goat has spoken. Oh, we might right. want to keep track of this on the time so we can say, if you want to skip this discussion, just go straight to <laughs> six hours and twelve minutes. Uh, yeah, an hour and eleven minutes in. <laughs> if, if if anything comes of this, challenge your own ideas, right? Go and seek out uncomfortable, differing views. 
to see, you know, just do a check. Yeah. But so I wanted to um, talk about. So last time on round one, uh, John and I talked about uh, comics that we wish we hadn't sold in the past, and then comics we wish we had bought when you had the chance and didn't. So, Tim, I'll go to you first. Can you think of a comic that you wish you hadn't sold or and or a comic you wish you had bought when you had the chance but didn't? Well, I have never actually sold any of my comics, so I don't <gasps> have that problem. <laughs> uh, there, are, there are a few that I wish I had bought. The first one is... Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed I'm blanking on the number. Spider-Man 131, the first Punisher appearance. Is that right? 131? Mm-hmm. Or uh, 121? 129? No. 129. That's so. right, because 121 is Gwen Stacy. Yeah, Death of... And that was that was one when I first started, got it, started into comics. Uh, Mike Zeck's uh, miniseries hadn't come out yet, which kind of thought I felt kind of blew him up. So it was never... It was never a super expensive book. It was, you know, five bucks, six bucks, maybe ten bucks. But back when you're paying 75 oh. cents for a book, you're like, mm. hmm. And I, at that time, I was more into uh, quantity than quality. Because <laughs> so, I was right. like, I'd buy more cheap books and buy focus on more expensive ones. So I wish I had bought it when it had come around. And I actually own a copy now, but it's not in good shape. But I traded some Star Wars figures for it. Um, <laughs> And some of the burn stuff. I wish I had bought when I was first getting into X Men. I wish I had bought most of Burns' run, but they were a little stint. They were a little pricey, and I just couldn't. You know, I couldn't afford it. And I've been slowly uh, picking up now, and I think I have. I have more than half, maybe maybe seventy five percent of his run, uh, and I've got a few of the, the Cockrum ones. I did pick up Giant Size X Men number one. And I found at a convention that, uh, and I shelled out more than I'd ever shelled out for any book. Um, I, paid, I think I paid forty-five dollars for it, but um, it's in pretty good shape. It's uh, forty-five dollars. Forty-five dollars. This was probably in eighty-five, eighty-six. Oh. And that's you know that's now that's the only one I've got that's really gone up in price. Um, but you know, and I probably could have picked up. No, I couldn't have picked up the Hulk uh, with Wolverine. I don't think I could have picked up 181. That was never on my radar, but uh, it was mostly the burn stuff and just some of the other stuff that I just wasn't picking up when I could have because I wasn't. No, I was spending right. 10, 15 bucks a, mo- a week at the comic store. Then right. I go to convention and spend another 100 bucks, but it was more, ooh, these are quarter books? I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to buy, buy a ton of them. So I know the feeling. And I've gotten. Now I've gotten more um, selective about what I buy. I buy more, and I'll, I'll give my wife all the credit for this. She's like, "Why don't you instead of buying a bunch of low low price stuff, why don't you just focus on the books you really want and spend the money on it?" So I've been slowly trying to get my, because my goal has always been to own a complete collection of Spider-Man. Now I know that's mm-hmm. probably not going to happen because you know as you right. get lower and lower, it becomes exponentially more expensive, but. Uh, I've got probably. What you don't want a slabbed copy, Amazing Fantasy fifteen graded one dot three. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's the thing. I don't. As long, long as it's got a cover to it and it's not absolutely beat to hell, 
I don't really care. It doesn't have to be a pristine book. Uh, I don't, you know, as long as it's readable and I have the original, I don't care. It can be a, a 3.0 or 2.0 or something like that. So I think I've got maybe, uh, maybe 90% of my Spider-Man run. Well, uh, in that regard, I know on this week's FOC, they are doing, and we talked about this in round one with, with John, they are doing an Amazing Spider-Man 101, so the first appearance of Mobius, soon to be a major motion picture from Sony I've got I've got that book, and I've got it signed by Stan Lee. Ooh. So I've, Ooh. Uh, yeah, I, I got that when I bought those three, 100, 101, 102, and I had him sign them when he was in Dallas. Um so I didn't, I didn't think about that, that the, the price of that's going to go up because of the Mobius movie. Yeah, they're doing a fast simile edition. So if you need one as a placeholder, it will be coming out very soon. I oh. have to check the release date. But uh, just like I did Werewolf by Night, I'm just going to do a quick cursory search here of uh, CGC listings of your Amazing Spider-Man 129. So if you got, if you had taken it off the shelf and were very careful with it, Tim... Mm-hmm. You set it aside, and you had it graded. Looks like a nine dot six goes for about six thousand dollars. Yeah, see, it's crazy. And I don't. I think some of the other Punisher stuff. I think it has kind of fluctuated. I know for a while that limited series was pretty high, but I think it's yeah. dropped. Um, and I've got all the other appearances. I've got the. I think it's one sixty one. It's it's Punisher Nightcrawler. And I bought that because I was a, I'm a huge Nightcrawler fan. Um, those two issues, 161, 162, I think. Um, it's funny you said Werewolf by Night because that's the one issue I'm chasing that I probably will never be able to afford unless I find a really beat up one is the Moon Knight. That's the yeah. one issue I need to complete my series on that. And <laughs> that's, you know, that's regularly about $3,000. Yeah, good luck. You and me both, buddy. And mm. and it's Moon Knight. Moon Knight's not that big. I know. I've even got the first... I picked up the first issue he did when he had his own series. And it's... Um, is it a Stryko cover? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I should go grab my Omnibus here real quick. But, but anyway, um, that, and I picked Sinkevich, that up. Sinkevich, I think, wasn't Sinkevich, it? Sinkevich, that's it, yeah. And I picked that up for, I think, five bucks. I'm like, this is his first series yet this first appearance is is um, right. they were talking about that on uh I, I listened to the, the end of the year back to the bins and scott was talking about or uh paul was talking about something it's some movies coming up and it's a uh is it a yeah we, t- we Mar- talked team oh, you you did not listen to our cocktails and comics <laughs> round one because we, we talked about it's a Disney Plus show coming, and it's going to be starring the... Um, and that's now been confirmed, John, from our last conversation, that it is that um, guy from uh, the the most recent Star Wars movies. Um, John Blank on his name. Poe Dameron. guy that plays Poe Dameron. Oh, he's crazy. Be yeah. Well, I heard, yeah, he's yeah. going to be... Uh, yeah, he's called Rogue something, right? That's it. Rogue Squadron? Rogue no, Squadron. No. Uh, no, he's he's starring in in, in Moon Knight as, yeah, Phil, as what, what's what's his name, Spectre. Mark Spectre. Mark Spectre. Yeah, yeah Mark Spectre. I almost said Phil. Uh. <laughs> 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 the Shannon's. Uh. Uh, 
Brian, what's your uh, what's your comic that uh, or comics that uh, you wish you hadn't sold, or a comic that you wish you had bought when you had the opportunity? Oh, I wish I hadn't sold. Um, back in '84, I sold a very early issue of Green Lantern to buy a car. Mm. Well, that's that was like Green Lantern twelve, I think. Mm. Um, and it, it was a gift that someone had given to me just a few years before, but I really, really needed the car. So I, and you know, so I, I bought this 77 Mustang two that was aqua blue with a white vinyl top. It was a rolling Smurf mobile. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Ouch. Now, as far as, uh, what I didn't buy that I could have bought, when I had the chance, um, there was the, basically the same year, and I was at Fantastic Worlds with some friends. Uh, later became Lone Star Comics, and my 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 friend Larry Wright, um, who wasn't a comic book reader, he was there with us, so um, was looking at stuff, and he goes, "Hey, what are these?" And he picked up Gobbledygook and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Oh. And I just looked at that and said, oh, God, that is so silly. And it's just a Frank Miller ripoff and turned and walked away. And, you know, I regret that to this day. <laughs> Very rare book. But he bought he bought both of them. And, you know, I'm pretty much sure that that book got thrown in the trash by his wife. He um, he died in a car accident about four years ago. Oh. And. uh and his wife, uh, she was from Russia. She knew nothing of such things. So I, I, I don't know if she gave them to the kids or, or what. That was all that independent stuff that I would see. It was kind of, just it was on the fringes. I was aware of when you're collecting the black comics and white and, rebirth of the '80s. Yeah, right. It was all the, it was before Andy was so popular. It was uh, Flaming Carrot. It was Ninja Cerberus. Turtles, Cerberus, uh, Nexus. Is that right? Ne- Nexus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Nexus. And another one with a guy with a sword and a beard. Mage. Mage? Mage, yeah. That was... Uh, no, there's, Des- that, there's another one called Death Star or Star something. It was... Uh, that was uh, that was Jim Starlin. Dreadstar. Yeah. Dreadstar. That Dread, was, that was, Dreadstar. Yeah. I, would, I would say it was an indie book. That it one was is, what? That was considered Pacific indie? Or it was, was it Pacific or First. That that was in. I think it was. I'm in Pacific. I collected. There were so many imprints in the '80s. Who knew you might get the first issue, and then that was it. They folded. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of that stuff. I've got like Fem Force number one, you know, which is some. I don't know who makes that. Um, I I would be remiss if I didn't say, "Let's raise our glass and drink a a toast to Steve Lytle, who passed away." Yeah, found out today after they lost his back. Yeah. Clink your glasses, folks, and drink a sip. Cheers. I've got. I do have Omaha. To, Omaha, the cat dancer, number one. <laughs> Put that one in the safe. Yeah, yeah. He came late to the party. He got radioactive adolescent black belt hamsters. Right. No, but I Boris the bear. <laughs> that is a real comic book. I've seen many copies of that. Yep. Unfortunately. Uh, I've got, oh, I mean, I had, of, I had a lot of. I had a lot of like. They did a Robotech version. They did that was Comico, and I've got some Star Blazers, which was maybe that was Comico. 
Yeah. Uh, Robotech might have been first, or... Then I've got a... I've got a bunch of anime stuff, which was My the Psychic Girl, which was, um, uh, and another one called Xenon, which were all kind of black and white manga, and I think they were, I can't remember the imprint they were under, but it was all that, because I was into anime at the same time, well, so I was picking that stuff who, up. Who was it that was reprinting Lone Wolf and Cub and putting the Frank Miller covers on? Dark Horse? It was Probably Dark Horse? Dark Horse. That sounds right, yeah. And Dark Horse, they did really good for themselves. Actually, one of the indies that that stayed in in the public consciousness for years. I don't know if that was because I think they they got had gotten some good quality writers. Dark Horse stuff is pretty I, good. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, yeah. I first I read the first Alien versus Predator out of Dark Horse and all the Terminator stuff. Yeah, um, they've struggled as of late because they lost a lot of their high profile licenses. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, IDW lost. IDW just grabbing well, everything up <laughs> well not only that but marvel right so marvel got oh, yeah. back the star wars license which i think was i don't want to say it was waning you know under dark horse but it definitely had seen more popular days and then they lost buffy so all of the buffy properties hmm. um that's now gone to i think that one did go to idw um Marvel has back the Alien franchise, so look for an Aliens or Alien series to come soon. They're doing some variant covers now. Does that, does that mean Ripley's going to be a Disney princess? Ripley! Yes. <laughs> I mean, when I, re- when, I, when I realized that, that Fox owned MASH, I also realized Klinger is going to be a the Disney princess. princess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, has, you said Marvel got Aliens back. Have they ever done an Aliens book? No, no. I didn't think so. It's always been, you know, on the quote-unquote independent side or outside yeah. of the big two. Because even so. the one that yep. uh, Simonson did was not Dark Horse. That was, uh, yep. was that Dark Horse, the movie yeah. adaption? Yeah, Dark Horse has had um, Aliens and then Predator for forever. For a long, forever, yeah, along with the, I don't know who owns the Terminator license now for comics. There hasn't been a Terminator comic for quite a while. But I, you know, so so they've been suffering as of late. Yeah. Um, they have had a couple of hits with um, the Black Hammer universe that Matt Kent, I think it's Matt Kent, is writing. That's uh, very popular, um, but not a whole lot of other original series right now. And what what happened to Valiant? Oh, they're in their death throes. They got bought by some Chinese company a while back. Um, I think they had grand visions of doing you know the you know a, a film universe yeah it just didn't materialize it's a shame because i liked valiant when it was out i liked the first couple years of it i liked quite a bit there were, were those, there are several... were those the shooter years yeah because he was yeah. there from the it was it was you know they were kind of head-to-head where they were kind of the alternative to image because you had the big two yeah. then you had image just you know burning up the place and then you had valiant kind of snuck in and they, they had did. Winter Smith, and they had uh, who else was the big? I mean, the only thing I read was Exo Man of War, which I liked a lot, at least about the first 25, 30 issues. And I read Blood Spot. Or, Blood uh, Shot. Blood Shot, not Blood Spot. <laughs> That's probably an image <laughs> book, Blood Spot. Um, I don't think I, I didn't read Archer and Armstrong. I didn't read. I didn't get into that. I got into Solar Man. I read some of well, that, you know, and I read Ruin. You know, which. 
Rune? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, no, not Rune. Not for me. Um, Ninjak. I read some of the yeah. 90s Ninjak stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they had... They were kind of a blend at the time of... You know, I fell off the Image bandwagon pretty fast because it was all flash and no substance. No. Um, you know, you go back and flip those books now, and I mean, they're just awful. Yeah. Awful. Valiant is still readable. You know, you can read a Bloodshot, you can read a Ninjack or a Solar Man of the Atom. Um, you know, the artwork's a little dated, but there's still a, a quality story there. Well, yeah, Which, I think they were dealing more with telling the story first and the image I, I, I have to think was, it was art first because it was all run by artists it was art first and story second yeah yeah. which you know I know I, I, uh, I know we said we're going to go to Discovery next but you know it does raise a question that we've been kicking around and, and I'll just throw it out there that one of those crazy ideas in my head because you you, you know and, and it's timely that we've had another you know comic um, you know high, high profile comic creator who's passed so many of them have had either, you know, GoFundMe's or, you know, they've gotten, you know, help from family and friends, you know, in their later years. Um, you know, uh, they, you know, have not, they didn't build the nest egg that they needed to build. And yeah, there's a million different reasons why they're in the position that they're in um, through no fault of their own, and, you know, mainly because of the way the industry was for many many decades mm -hmm. but i thought we'd talk about you know is it time or is it right for some of these mega corporations to basically do a true up for you know these old comic creators and i understand that you know many of them are not around anymore but they may have you know spouses or children and, and just to put in perspective i thought i'd throw out some numbers so just taking the top 10 highest-grossing Marvel movies. This is the top 10, not the top 25, which I could rattle off because I've got it in front of me, but the top 10. So number one, Avengers Endgame made $858.4 million at the box office. Black Panther, $700 million. Avengers Infinity War, $678 million. The Avengers, $623 million. Age of Ultron... Uh, 459 million. Captain Marvel, 426 million. Iron Man 3, 409 million. Captain America, Civil War, 408 million. Spider-Man, Far From Home, 390 million. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, 389 million. And on and on and on. The lowest grossing Marvel movie is, the, you know, in the Marvel uh, um, under the Marvel umbrella is the, uh, Ant Man. And the Wasp. Nope. Ant Man made 180 million. It's The Incredible Hulk at 134 million. Wow. Uh, well, that's the, that's the MCU is just getting kind of started then. Yeah. Right. So it, it kind of raises this question of obviously no one could have predicted streaming services, multi, toys. yeah, toys, t shirts, merchandise, you know, these um, half a billion or more movie blockbusters is it time for some of these big 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 corporations to go back and say you know what we've got the coffers we need to do something for these creators that 
created these beloved characters that are now making us billions of dollars and we paid them next to nothing or is it just business well i well i think you know from the business point they're like well you knew what you were getting into when you agreed you know i'm sure they signed some kind of a contract they were work for hire so yeah. I'll put that out there. They're yeah. work for hire, right? I mean, these guys were paid to do a job. They did the job. Yeah, I mean, it's no different than, you know, when I when I worked as a graphic designer. You know, if I, if I had created, not that I have, but if I had created a logo that went on, if I had created, the, you know, the Nike swoosh for some reason, and I got paid, you know, my company just paid me what I got paid, and then, you know, they went on to make billions of dollars in that. What I think there I really right should be. I don't know. There really should be a big thing clause in anything that's created for a company. If and you there create may be now. something I don't, that, that now. turns out to be the next big thing, that you should be entitled to, you know, something, you know, a, a percentage stipend or but something. But where do you draw that line? Is it is it like okay, if this becomes a movie, then you'll get X number of dollars if if they make this if they make a movie with this character. Uh, or is it, you know, do you, you know, if we reach, do you get a, a small portion of the merchandising uh, stuff? I don't, I mean, I mean, that's all, that's all lawyer, you know, you need to go to lawyers for them. I'm sure they would have to. Because... Yeah, I mean, because this is, this has already been argued a number of times in the courts. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've Most seen what famously happened with... with the creators of Superman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, again, that, that was a very different time. And they owned Superman outright, even though it was being published by national periodicals. They owned it and they sold it for $170. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that actually put them in a worse position than, say, these work for hire guys. Yeah. Because, you know, they said, well, this, this is enough money for us for that. They had no idea how it was going to become. But I okay. mean, same thing with the guy that that started up uh, Victoria's Secret. He started up and he made five million dollars off the sale to whatever company, and they turned it into a billion dollar industry. He ended up jumping off a bridge. Yeah, but there's a big difference. Okay, that guy got a five. You know, in the, in that one example, that guy got a five million dollar ticket. He could have invested it. He could have made it into something. Even if he didn't, if he had managed his money, he would have been fine for the rest of his life. Right. Exactly. In theory. Right, but we're talking about guys who were getting paid, you know, fifty dollars a page. It was right? a bread and butter. Yeah, fifty dollars a page or less to write Fantastic Four, the Avengers, you know, your Green Lanterns, um, you know, you name it. They didn't make jack squat off of these characters, and no. now they have turned into this massive, multi-billion-dollar franchise. But how do you take? Well, we talked about Moon Knight. Take Moon Knight for instance. Um, and I don't honestly don't know who the writer was at that. Was that uh, was it Lynn Wayne? Was it? I, don't, I can't remember who. I don't know who was writing. Doug Minch. Minch. Uh, Doug and Mark, okay, so yeah. whoever wrote him, you know, and drew him, you know, so that's the, you know that's at, at the at the surface that's the two creators: the person that wrote him and the person that drew him. But do you it's, also and just for record, Don Perlman drew. Him. Do you also include the editor in chief? Maybe he had some input. Do you? Do you include the art director? Maybe he made comments on how the costume was designed. Do you include the the inker? Maybe he inked it. As, you know, where do you? How far do you drill down, or do you keep it very surface, like it's the artist, pencil, and the writer? 
get the credit. See, to, yeah, see, to me, the argument is really strictly about the writer and the artist. If you're an editorial, you're on the paycheck. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're an office guy at Marvel or DC. You know, it's the, the, the yeoman, right, in the case of Werewolf by Night, you know, Mention and Perlin, who but, created... But couldn't the inker argue that, well, it was my inking yeah. that made that stand off the page. If I hadn't inked it that way, your pencils wouldn't look as good. Yeah, so, who I mean, created I think, Wolverine? Um, I think you could, uh, you know, argue... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I that know... That was pretty clear-cut. That was uh, Herb Trimpey, wasn't it? No. Yeah. It was John Romita. Well, he designed the was costume. It? Romita, John Romita, yeah, Romita designed, designed the character the and the costume. It was, it, but it was Herb Trimpey who put it on the first comic book page. I think Romita, Romita Senior did, did a lot of costume designing when he as, yeah. as uh, he was art director. He would design a lot of. I think he designed the Punisher costume, even though he didn't draw it. Um, so I mean, I think it's. I mean, again, that's that's for lawyers to argue, but I think I think legally. Legally, they did their work. They got paid. Right. But as a, a recognition of the work that they did, I think something would be nice if the studios or whoever owns it that has all of these monies, the mouse and all that, you know, give something to the creator or the widows uh, of the crea- of the people that worked so hard and diligently over those years that <laughs> sustained them through. Uh, you know, I, it doesn't have to be millions and millions, but it could be something nice to help out. So that, I mean, well, who, I was, mean, a cockro- I mean, who was a cockroach that was really super, super sick, and you know, they needed to start all this. That kind of started all this um, back in the eighties yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it was like a GoFundMe or something to help pay his medical bills. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it would be nice if they would do that. Um, Seems like uh, Siegler and Schuster, both of them, died near poverty, um, and and it was just like, oh here, uh, um, Jerry Siegel, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a bone. You can write a story for Superman now. You know, here's a four-page story you can write. You know. <laughs> well, I think you could. I think. I mean, being being more cynical. I mean, obviously, it's that kind of argument in Hollywood about films. Like, is it art or is it a business? Well, it's it's both. It is, uh, but think of it this way: you know, that's it's a great PR piece to tell. I mean, to your point, you, they, they don't have to give them much, but to let the, you know, to let the fan, it was certainly endear them to the fan. It's like, hey, we yeah. we gave you know, Cockrum's you know widow X number of dollars right. because of the X Men movies or whatever. You know, so, and I think that does happen sometimes, and. A lot of times they don't even get acknowledgments in the films. This is so weird. According to the Marvel Wiki, Roy Thomas, Len Wein, and John Romita all have credit for creating Wolverine. Roy Thomas is editor-in-chief. Wow. And not Herb Trimpey? No. Well, hmm. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, that, okay, that's that, that's that question, too. If, if Ray Romita Sr. designed the costume, okay, Trimpey, this is what it looks like. Now go and draw the issue. And Trippy draws the issue. Who really gets credit? Trippy drew him, and it's not going to look like Ramita's, but it's going to basically be the same look, the costume. Or do they both get credit? Yeah, because... I, I'm not the expert on this. I do, you know, my my issue is more of a moral, what's morally right. And I agree with that. It should be, you know, again, yeah. they should they should treat people 
and I'm sure it's handled differently now. But yeah, some of these older guys that came up. Oh yeah, in the you can imagine a, a current creator. If I was a current creator, whether I was a writer or an artist, I would have streaming shit in there. Pardon my language. I'd have movies. I'd have merchandise. You know, I would have guys. Every single you, thing. When was the last time Marvel created a character? Yeah. And and you know why that is? It's because. They know they're not. They're not going to. The writers know they're not going to get paid bank for these characters. I mean, granted, we have gotten what Squirrel Girl, Spider Gwen. Yeah, but Squirrel Girl goes back to the '90s. The most, the one that's creating a lot of new characters today as a writer is Donny Cates mm-hmm. for Marvel, and then you've got Scott Snyder on the DC side that's been creating a lot of of new characters. But you're right, you know, and there is there is kind of an unsaid thing in the industry. Some of the, the writers have said that they save their best ideas for when they're writing an independent book. Because well, you're going to get, more, you're gonna get more, right. more buck out of it. A lot of times they won't they will um, I know we talked about this before, but in Next Gen when they did <laughs> The Screaming Goat! This is the last thing and I'll, I'll say this. Yeah, go on, ahead. on next gen when they did first duty. Can I get another Jack single barrel with a uh, Dr Pepper? Thank you. Oh, sorry. Uh, you got Waitress, somebody, the waitress is coming by. You got somebody bringing you drinks? Oh, must be nice. <laughs> wow. Um, oh no, it's on Voyager. When they wanted when they when they had Tom Paris on as Voyager, they wanted him to be Nick Lacaro, whatever the character's Lacarno, name was. Lacarno, yeah. Lacarno. You remember first reading duty. something about this? But okay, if they yeah, did, but... then they'd have to pay the writer of that episode royalties. So they said, no, we don't want to do that. We're just going to come up with a whole new character. Basically the same character. We're just going to give him a different that's, name. And that's why Captain Kirk had the new girlfriend in Generations instead of bringing Edith, Edith Keeler back. They didn't want to have to pay Harlan Ellison. Ugh. See, and that's kind of disgusting, right? Yeah, nobody wants to pay yeah. Harlan Ellison. You know, how much would they have had to pay him? A few thousand dollars? Because I think you've talked about Burn has slipped out here and there saying, you know, some character showed up on something and he got just a random check. Yeah, royalty check. You know, I don't think that those old agreements pay him much, but, you know, as I was thinking, I have been thinking about this, because I've been thinking about it for a long time, you know, on and off. You know, stuff you think about when you're mowing the lawn and it's, you know, you're just staring at grass. (laughs) They could easily do, like, a, a $250 million you know, um, Almost like a social security, you know, seed money account. Like a slush fund or something. Well, yeah, kind of like, you know, one of those pension funds that says, okay, all the big companies now, because all the big houses are owned by multi-billion dollar companies. Mm -hmm. We're going to seed this together. We're all going to seed it together with $250 million, and we're going to invest it. And anybody that worked in the comic industry from this time to this time, before, you know, where we can create a clear line where contracts started to include things like merchandising and TV and film rights everybody that had an agreement before then you're eligible right and your children are eligible for you know some small stipend you know every month because we recognize you know they've become these billion dollar properties and, and we want to make sure that the people that had something to do with this are taken care of yeah that would I mean that's that's you know it's it's always argument if that's like you said that's the moral or, or quote right thing to do it's a human thing to do versus now this is a corporation and they're going to be you know they're very you know they're watching their bottom line and they don't want to 
and, and maybe they're afraid that if we open this up, that we pay yeah, this where's guy. Yeah, where does it stop? Yeah, where does it stop? i got to pay all these other guys in line. So they'd rather just not do it at all, I guess. And, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's more, I think, the... the the I know I recently saw um, this is back to Star Wars. Alan Dean Foster, who wrote, who was having trouble with Disney on paying him <sighs> some of the royalties I think and some of the stuff he had done. Yeah, they don't feel that they are beholden to pay any of the royalties of stuff from before. All right. Uh, so for those purchase. that are not in the Star Trek bubble, can you enlighten us? What is this? Well, Alan uh, Dean Alan... Foster is a is a science fiction writer, but he wrote uh he ghost wrote star wars and uh he wrote okay. splinter, splinter of the mind's eye which is the uh, basically is going to be the sequel to star wars if it didn't pan out as good as it did okay and he so he'd been getting paid royalties back royalties on that ever since but as soon as disney bought everything over from lucas they said no all the old deals are off he said he just stopped getting paid, and he he's like had to reach out to him like, "Hey, wait a minute! <laughs> How come the checks aren't still coming?" Can they do that legally? Uh, I think that's what him, his lawyers, and their lawyers are going to determine. But he had to he had to kind of get a lawyer involved. But um... yeah, and he probably doesn't have the money to do that. Well, he's a successful uh, he's a successful writer. Yeah, I mean, he he also not... wrote the Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> successful and writer don't go together unless you're Stephen King, or no, he doesn't Steve have Koontz. he doesn't have Stephen King money, but but <laughs> he's got. Stein. I mean, I think he's uh, he's been writing for since like seventy one or seventy two. I'm I'm a huge fan of him. I got I should get to meet him at celebration a couple of years ago. Um, he's got a net worth of about five million. Yeah, that's yeah. not. Does he have his own omnibus? Probably not. Whoa, no. this is weird. You look at a picture of him, it looks like Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> there is <laughs> no Jonathan way. Frakes. He doesn't look like Frakes. I don't think he's. A... He does have his own role playing game. Uh, <laughs> they, they had a role playing game based on his books. Yeah. Somehow that there's a picture of Jonathan Frakes with his name on it, but no. They, is, they there, is there a D and D version of it for Brian? <laughs> no, but it probably works with D and D. I was more of a Gamma World guy. What is so funny about me playing D and D? Seriously, nothing. Just because it gets under your skins, so I'm gonna use it. Yeah, my my, my, my role model, Joe Manganiello, he plays D and D. And then what? What's With his your wife, Sophia Vergara? What's What's your character, Brian? Oh, you're gonna love this. <laughs> the wizard. Uh, no, my character is a ranger named Aleborn. Oh my god. Kind <laughs> of sort of fine. Uh, Fine loggers. So, he's, <laughs> so is that logger hand. So is, is that lawful good or is that chaotic good? Uh, no, that that's neutral all good. Neutral. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll have you know I rolled a six. No, um, you know I got into the, this uh, at this late age for my my wife and son because they mm-hmm. were really interested in getting into mm-hmm. it, and I played it thirty years ago. I played it in college with my friends. And it is my college friend. weren't getting laid, but yeah, okay. <laughs> no, um, Frank Canepa and Mike Carlisle, both friends of the show. They've been on the show in the past. Um, they uh, they they were part of my uh, my crowd back in college, and you know we we started doing this up. John, uh, every John why is your mic muted? Because he's laughing so hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, it's it's fun. It's fun. 
Well, this is the point where I'm going to put a pin and say, if you don't want to hear Star Trek Discovery spoilers, stop. Go oh, wow. Don't okay. listen anymore, because I may say some negative things about Star Trek Discovery. Whoa. How do you drop people from Skype again? Yeah, how do we do uh, <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Yeah. <laughs> That's mirror universe, Tim. Yeah. No, 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 this no. Is, this is a, no, this is the Terran Empire over here. We just boot them <laughs> off and then kill them off screen. <laughs> we'll put them in the, the, egg, the yeah the agonizer. You're too busy yeah. over there dining on roasted kelpian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that hits close to home. All right, so now is the obligatory time where we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery 3. So for those of you that don't know, this is the, and you don't care to go watch it, this is the CBS All Access original Star Trek show, along with Picard, that follows a new group, a new crew, that um, are uh, piloting you know, Discovery through the cosmos, and we just wrapped up Season 3. Season one, I would call the what the hell is going on season. Season <laughs> two is the, okay, we've got it figured out, and now we've got this time thing to deal with that we seeded in season one. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we have Terran spies or Terran people on the ship uh, who we don't know about, and then someone gets stranded on our side from the Terran Empire, and we go to season three, where now we jump 900 years in the future, and there's the burn. And the burn is the destruction. Not John Byrne. Not John Byrne. Yeah, because it's like B-U-R-N, not B-Y-R-N. <laughs> uh, was the destruction of all dilithium crystals outside of, or that were in service think is the right way to say but, it but okay. but like john byrne the 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 burn in star trek is due to a tantrum <laughs> that we just recently found out yes that's true yeah <laughs> so it is I, it is burn related it is burn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so season three finds our our uh, intrepid although at this point skeleton crew because all all the rest of the crew w was allowed to leave jettison little escape pods before they went through the, uh, I guess you'd call it a wormhole that was created by the suit that uh, Michael Burnham's mother created. And they uh, crash into 900 years in the future. The Federation is basically a skeleton of what it was. Uh, and you basically have a, a, a small uh, gang, you could call them, uh, that does still have some dilithium and so has warp capabilities that uh, nobody else has. The Vulcans and Romulans have reconciled and are now living on... It, it is Vulcan, right? But they don't call it that. They named it Nuva? Nuvia? Navar. 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 And they are blamed for the burn. There's a, a false belief that the Vulcans... And Romulans uh, caused the burn, which they did not. Alternate data? Alternate truths? Yeah, yeah. Alternate, alternate facts. facts, that's right. Alternate that's facts, right. yes. Um, fake news? Fake news. <laughs> fake news. Um, <laughs> and so season three, most of it is spent with the Discovery crew adjusting to 900 years in the future. 
they do find the Federation or the remnants of the Federation, join up with it, um, fight off the, uh, you know, the, the seasoned bad guy, which is one of the, the sexy green women from the original series who leads Orions. This... Orions. Um, Orion, Orions. How do you say that in plural? Orions? Like uh, folk, focus, foci? They're, they're the Orion slavers. Yes. Uh, yeah, then she's in charge of this band of marauders and slavers um, who are, are mining or using you know enslaved peoples to mine uh, in non-Federation-controlled space, which is pretty scant. And so the, the, the most of the season is taken up with them kind of uh, evading the marauders as well as trying to uh, find the source of the burn and through the process, right, kind of connect the dots and find out as, uh, as Brian and John and Tim alluded to that it's all traces back to one child. And this child who was traumatized by their ship crashing on a planet that's rich in dilithium and watching the his family and his mother ultimately succumb to radiation poisoning um, lets out a terrifying scream and that is what destroys the dilithium throughout the known uh, universe or within all these ships that are using it for warp capabilities interesting end um, you missed a whole subplot yes we'll go there eventually well, we had to get Space Hitler off the show. Ugh. You're just setting her up for her own show. Yeah, oh, she's yes. dead. Oh, she's not she's dead. She's not dead. She's going to be in section... If section 31 becomes a show, she'll be on that show. That's why they got her off the show, for that. Yeah, we're talking about... Yeah. Georgia. 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 Oh, Georgia, yeah, sorry. Georgia. I thought you were Philippa. talking about the Orion. Philippa. Philippa, Georgia. I, I said Philippa Louvois. I forgot. Went all the way back to Measure of a Man. What am yes. I drinking here? Hold well, on. The, the, the stuff that the green girl did, I don't think was nearly as bad as what Giorgio did. She really was space Hitler. She was a mass murderer. She was, you know, she was killing her servants and eating them. She was, yeah. she was redeemed. Redeemed yeah. through the course of the show. No, yeah, so... I'm sorry. You don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> No. So, so yeah, so they, they let the cat out of the bag. So the person that gets stranded from the Terran Empire is the mirror universe, Philippa Giorgio, who ends up joining Section 31 in Discovery and then assi- ends up assigned to Discovery. And throughout Season 3, she starts to have issues where she's basically like phasing out of, uh, of the, the future universe or the future time because she is out of sync with uh, with everything and they go into some convoluted explanation about you know the the two um, universes were closer together and now 900 years in the future they're much further apart and so she's being torn apart and it led to real i think really the only two-parter of the whole season um which was they have to seek out someone who can help her understand this and can maybe find a solution to this. And and Brian, who do they find? They find All is as it was. They find Carl. 
I called it right away. By the way, as soon as I saw that guy, everybody the door, did. Everybody, I was like, it. "Oh man, what?" Yeah, that's that was a. So yeah, so one of the subplots is, um, what the heck's his name? Now I'm blanking. What is it Carl. called? Oh, the Guardian of Forever. The Guardian of Forever, who is yeah. now called Carl. <laughs> um, he and was you know, in hiding. It, it, you got you got to understand where that comes from. From the names that are so difficult, like uh, Dilip Mukad, this guy that worked at the center, he got so tired of saying Dilip and having to repeat it six or seven times that now it's, uh, you know, who am I talking to? Uh, my name is Carl. Yeah. Well, let's, let's be serious. They, they were trying to, to uh, fool the, the audience. They were like, ooh, yeah. we're trying to be very clever here. We're going to call him Carl, although he's holding a paper from... Uh, yep. From the, the original episode, City and yep. Forever, you know, and he got him dressed as a kind of a 30s uh, kind of guy, you know, and he's being very vague with his answers. But and there's a door. And there's a door. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and you have to go through it. So it's like, well, yeah, it's, I had a lot so, of problems with, with, with Carl. So Philip, Philip Giorgio, um, the Guardian Forever tells her that she needs to go through the door, whatever she finds the other side, right, will give her her answer and what she does or finds on the other side is he's put her back in time um, back to when she was, you know, at the height of her power in the Terran empire. And of course, you know, the, the growth that she's had with the discovery crew leads her to try and change her Michael Burnham and the events that we saw unfold in season two. And of course she fails as everyone would expect and comes back to the Guardian of Forever and Carl and, you know, says that she failed. And, you know, of course, he tells her that she didn't and blah, blah, blah. And then opens the door again and she steps into something. We don't know where she went, but, you know, he assured her that, you know, she'd be safe. And she'd be going where she would be okay. Where that is, we don't know, but she is off the show, what, mid-season? Six, seven episodes in? That was episode nine, ten. so she almost made it full. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, oh. pretty late. Yeah. Felt, felt like it was earlier than that. I I personally liked her character a lot. She was pretty gruff, but I thought she was a nice balance to uh, Michael, I'm going to cry every episode at least two times Burnham. <laughs> With some Im- impassioned plea. <sighs> Michael. So let's, let's, well, so let's talk about that. So one of the biggest criticisms I've seen in the Facebook groups, and and I'll just come out and say that I I enjoy Discovery. My wife, who is not a Trek fan in the slightest bit, enjoys Discovery. Um, They basically hate it because of some continuity things that they don't think are right. The fact that it's the Michael Burnham show and not the crew. And that she cries every episode. Everybody cries. There's just too much crying, I think, altogether. Everybody's <laughs> crying. It's not only it's not only Michael Burnham. It's Tilly. It's the rest of that Tilly. The rest of the, the team crew, Starfleet Academy, that's flying this ship that uh, seems to uh, cry the drop of a hat. And they're you know, and I and I'll come right out and say that yeah, I don't enjoy the show. I watch it because I love Star Trek. So I I watch it because I'm a kind of a completist. And I, I really do struggle with it as a, as a fan because it's not like I want to come right out and just say, oh, this is garbage, I hate it. 
You watch Star Trek like I continued reading X-Men during the Paul Smith years? <laughs> exactly. Oh, I like the Paul Smith stuff. It was the afterwards. You know. Well, no, J.R.J. Like the Trek community were divided. Like Mark Silvestri, that's when it started really Well, it is very divided. It's, 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 I mean, it seems to be people that are... It seems to be people that are that are true that are diehard Trek fans don't like it, but it also seems to be. And it sounds like John and David, you are old time Trek fans. You like it, so it is kind of divided. That yeah. And the biggest thing, my biggest complaint, is that it doesn't feel like Star Trek. And I think a lot of that can be laid at. I think the the writing is not very good, and it, yeah, there are plenty of nitpicky continuity and scientific kind of things that bug me that draw me out of it that I I, I, I didn't maybe I don't remember finding those flaws with next gen and I think some of the writing is not they, the people don't seem to understand the way science works so some of the some of their their writing seems even more fantasy than science fiction you don't science like fiction. the spore drive Tim no I don't I don't like no I've read dune I, I want that to stay in dune um <laughs> <laughs> I see, um, and I love the spore drive. I love the design of the ship, and I, I love the way it blinks out. Every time they say black alert, and then they go, bloop. <laughs> I think that's so cool. It's, and, it's, I, and obviously, I'm glad that they're, that's not everywhere, because it wouldn't make sense. But Well, it's I, I, I think they, wrote, they, they did themselves a disservice by coming up with this idea, and that was my biggest problem, was like, well, wait a minute, everything, this is, this looks more advanced than next year, yes. and it's 80 or 90 years before that and then they try to come up with some well well it's uh well it was super secret and prototype and then nobody talked about it that's why it was not in history books we don't talk about it we're going to keep our mouth shut we don't talk about michael burnham we don't talk about discovery we're talking about spore drive which we can't seem to replicate uh it just seemed to me that was introducing a if it was introduced in next gen or sometime after that that this is a totally completely un known type of uh, mm-hmm. of transportation. Yeah, and, that, and, you, and you raise a good point. As I, and I can't answer this as a Discovery fan. Why did they feel the need to sandwich it so close to the original series? That's, I don't know. I don't Spock. Know. <laughs> no, that can't be. Well, I mean, I think you could have had yeah. her... I think you'd take... I mean, take Spock out of it. I don't like that either. You know, you want to have her raised in Vulcan and have her raised by a Vulcan? That's fine. But don't have her be a, the the stepsister to Spock, and yeah. and I also yeah. object to they seem to hint that it's due to her influence that made Spock who he is. So that kind of takes a lot away from Leonard Nimoy, and it takes away away from Spock. And they, Jen Roddenberry's creation. No, yeah. but they were trying to say that that's why Spock still has emotion is because of his relationship but, with her. Yeah, and right, yeah. but in Unification Three, they say. I, you know, I wonder how much of Spock, the man he was, was because of you, meaning he was right. so successful in, in bringing the um, uh, unification together. And I've got a, a big prop. There's a big plot hole there, because think about it. With We've the already... Romulans, the Vulcans, no. unifying? No, 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 not that. But Spock, Leonard Nimoy, in the first movie, was taken from the Prime Universe, our universe, into the Kelvin Universe. Yeah. He changed, so... He's stuck in. He, he's stuck. Right. He's stuck in that universe. So if Discovery is in the Prime Universe, Spock was not here to continue the unification. They say it took hundreds of years. So 
he wouldn't but have you been. have to separate the film from the TV shows, right? I mean, it's it's the same logic that doesn't make any sense if you try and apply it to that first Star Trek movie where it's like um, Eric Bana. So you waited 25 years for Spock to come through. Why didn't you just go to freaking Romulus and say, well, hey, yeah, that, that's got the same. Ba- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Star Trek 09's got plenty of problems of its, yeah. of its own continuity. Okay, but we'll leave that to the side. But if I they was are... Wondering, I was wondering if this was just to, for them to say, you know what, we don't recognize the Kelvin Romulan destruction thing. We're just taking that out of the equation. That's, that's fine, but... They but do. But, but they, they do. They do. They're doing, using okay. it in Picard. Well, no, thing, they Tim, talk Tim. about it. They talk about when they show that when Giorgio's in the sick bay, and they show that holograph of that alien. He says he he came into our timeline, and we had to euthanize him because he was such pain because he was you know his uh, the temporal wars. Right. Yeah, it was screwing him up, and that was all about the incursion of a Romulan mining vessel into our. So they they acknowledge that the the Star Trek O nine happened. Yeah. So that's uh, John. What know, were you gonna say? Well, I think the big plot hole or the big plot. Okay, so first of all, I do like Discovery, but I do I am critical of it. I'm not one of the hate it or love it, no matter what. Sorry, I'm gonna have to mute your mic now. On there, (laughs) but you know, I I like Discovery, and I had I enjoyed it. Um, My my thing with that whole reunification three is is. It's the character aspect of it. They're like, like you said, yeah, oh yeah. How much of Spock is because of you and blah blah. blah. I'm like, Spock hated you. <laughs> I mean, you abandoned Spock when you were, uh, you know, preteen, and he was still a kid. So you have no great relationship there. I mean, she was totally. Yeah, if if she had been around, Ichaya would have lived. Yeah, you have yeah. no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. Dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, the nerve glasses are thick there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If well, you yeah, haven't, he certainly would have lived because Michael Burnham can fix anything. So in, yeah. in, in the in the animated series episode yesteryear. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm mute your mic. Oh yeah. no, no, no! Come on, that's great stuff. That was probably the best episode of the animated series. Okay, oh, it was. Yeah, cool. Dorsey, the TC Fontana wrote that. And animated series is canon. It's it it's is. part. Okay, so one of one of the big one of one of many controversies to come out of this show um, is, I think it was the second to last episode where the what is her name? I want to say the Orion slave girl race. Oh, anyway, she's trying to negotiate peace with the Federation. She want or she wants to join them, and there's a plate of food set in front, and she's eating some oh. apples and she says you know these don't taste like apples have you ever had a real apple right he says no you know this is made from replicated you know what replicated food's made out of and he's like poop <laughs> yeah. right and so of course the you could probably hear the collective star trek fandom go what i gotta go back on that we all have known this for years and years there's a routine that, that my friends and I did back in the early 90s where it was basically you got the the seasoned crew member sitting there in 10 forward and Ensign Beaumont comes out of the turbo lift all excited because it's his first time out in space. And the seasoned crewman says, he goes, hey, Ensign Beaumont, come over here. Uh, what's going on? Uh, you you going to eat anytime soon? Well, yeah, I was going to get some meatloaf. 
all right, well, go get it. So the guy goes to the replicator, comes back, and he goes, now, do you know where that food comes from? Well, yeah, the food replicator. No, no, no. See, that's a matter replication system. Now, what that does is that takes energy going through all over the ship, and it turns it into food. In your case, it's meatloaf. But the thing you don't know is that energy can't come from any place. can't come from the engines. All that power's got to go to moving the ship. So it comes from the matter reclamation system. Now, what do you think that is? That's the trash and the head. And, and you know, Ensign Johnson just came out of the head. That could be his crap right there on your plate. Where are you going? Hey, hey. Right, that's that's a funny bit. And that, that is something that you could read in a technical manual. But I don't think it belongs in the show. And that That's some of their... The this is gonna go back to me thinking some of the writing is not very edgy. good. It's not. Really, I don't think it's supposed to be edgy. I think it, they're trying to be funny, and the humor yeah. in this show really just just falls flat. And I think a lot of it is they're it's too contemporary for some of this, the the way they talk. That that scene where Tilly is talking to the the, the green girl and they're going back and forth and being kind of snarky to each other. Osira. Osira. Yeah. Osira. That's, Thank that's, you. Thank you, John Ian. Yeah, let's not hit the, 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 the viewers over the head with their symbology and the names. Um, yeah. But that's it, it feels like it's something out of a CW show. It feels like it's something out of a uh, that last episode when they're all when they're well not the second to last episode which is basically Die Hard in Space, where Michael Burnham <laughs> is running around being John McClane. Yeah, and, space. and all the the, or I should say, is called. She just she, needed some broken glass to crawl yeah. around on. Well, they said even she loses her shoes too, if you noticed. So yeah, she ran around with her bare feet. <laughs> I expected someone to say yippee Uh Wait, and didn't Tilly sing like a somewhat contemporary song? Well, didn't she sing him a song? Well, and I was like, how the hell would she know that? It's that and, and the, the F-bombs they drop, I think, are just... Yeah. I know you can do it, but that doesn't belong there. Um, you need to watch The History of Swear Words, which just released today on Netflix <laughs> with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> well, I'm sure that yeah. stuff exists. I mean, I'm sure there it's are people that... It's been around for a long time. Yeah, and, and it's I'm not sure that... It'll be a long, a long time in the future. But I still yes. think it's... it's it, 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 it just doesn't belong, and maybe that's me I, being... To... It's it's hard either way though, right? Because you remember on Battlestar Galactica, right? They'd say frack, frick or what, frack. frack, yeah, because they couldn't yeah. say it. So, so you know, you'd be like, you kind of laugh every time they said it. I mean, you, you learn to accept it. Like, okay, well, that's what you know, the F word, you know. Uh, well, it's like into. when you'd watch it in Game of Thrones, you're like, oh, you know, you weren't used to kind of, you know, this is obviously seems like this is thousands of years ago. And they're dropping f bombs, but right. Um, a lot of it has to, and uh, when the, the the crew, separate of Burnham, when the crew, which was the Tilly and the Dittmer Killy. and, and Killy, Killy, Killy. <laughs> Sorry, I like the I like her Terran universe counterpart, oh. Killy, <laughs> not Killy. Tilly, torture mistress, Killy. Um, they uh, when they were running around trying to 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 act tough, it's it's kind of cute when they try to make Tilly act tough. Um, yeah. It felt like, because everybody is so young, it felt like, you know those movies where the bad guys take over the school and all the kids get together and defeat the bad guys? That's what it Just felt toy like. toy soldiers. Exactly. <laughs> and um, they killed yeah, Wesley. I, I have, they killed Wesley. 
yeah, I have an issue too with, you know, because uh, Tilly, she's been the kind of the, and I'm not commenting on her size because I think she's a, you know, very attractive That's woman. That's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. No, but she's always been kind of the marshmallow of the show, you know, emotionally. Yeah. And I, I feel like they're like, you know, they constantly are thrusting her into like leadership opportunities, as they'd say in the corporate world. She's not leadership material. Like that was obvious from season one. I mean, just one. because she's an ensign, she's not a leadership material. <laughs> no, she just doesn't. She does not. Okay, yeah. Well, what's that guy? You know, that Voyager. was yeah, that, and that whole Jim. thing was just really weird because you know I was in the military, and you don't promote an ensign to second in command unless there's absolutely nobody else and even then or, you might or go to Star the, Trek 2009 you would what still if, go to the senior enlisted person cadet. before but John what if you have goat legs is it okay then <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's just it, that was weird but that well, was that, 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 I'm, I'm glad you brought that up John because that's my other biggest problem is that there's no sense of uh, structure or or command uh, hierarchy that they all act like they're just best buds and when there's you know there's a scene early when when Tilly gets when he when uh, um, Saru says hey I want you to be my uh, number number one which is after that awful scene with him trying to come up with his catchphrase I thought that was stupid um, you know what about fly hit it or, or engage yeah. or uh, yeah. whatever it was um, anyway make it so She's uh she's in engineering and she's like oh he asked me to be you know he asked me to uh, to be you know number one and they're all like you should say yes you should say yes I I turned to Fanula and I said they're acting like she's trying to go to the prom that's what it right. seems like it's not there's no uh, you real know, world talk with her right yeah. and there's and and again to to John's point you know this Star Trek was never I mean the original series was pretty military. In, in its rank and way they acted, and even next gen, because you know, uh, Picard would always call somebody out if they weren't acting, and they all acted professional. They acted like they were, you know, ambassadors of the Federation. And on Discovery, they act like they're all in the same dorm room and they're having some kind of social problem. Yeah. And they don't, they were always undermining Saru. You know, they were always, you know, they made him such ineffectual, ineffectual captain that is that is the minute they i found out that the guy on the planet was kelpie and i said well through is leaving and that they're that's gonna yep. leave the wave to get they've been trying to get burnham in the captain's chair yep. all season so. which that whole side plot with him and i you know i i didn't mind the twist on it when the they had the uh the doctor from uh 16 can what show was it 16 candles what movie 80s movie the doctor, the doctor. yeah he was in some teen movies or shows in the 80s and 90s. Oh, Adventures in Babysitting. That, yeah. When he explained that, you know, his DNA could have been corrupted and, and that's what caused him to have this ability. I mean, in this con oh, no, construct of Star Trek, I guess it kind of makes sense. But it's like, dang, that is one powerful ability to have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost on a godlike cosmic scale because, according to the show, right? I mean, his scream at his mother's death caused all of the dilithium in every single ship to explode. 
Well, they don't say that's the thing. They didn't say it exploded. They 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 said it it went inert, and it somehow that caused, I guess, the warp cores to. I don't know how it becoming inert. Yeah. Because my so called life. That's the show you're thinking. That, of. That's it. Because yep, all dilithium yep, does yep. is they funnel, the uh, they funnel the energy through the dilithium for the matter antimatter. Um, that had another crier on it by Claire Danes. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. And so the whole thing with the burn was it didn't make sense because it's like, oh, well, all the lithium went inert. Uh, but there's still some out there somewhere. So not all of them went inert because somebody's got it. Uh, Michael Burnham's trading it through that year she's there without yeah. discovery. So it's not all gone. So there is still warp-capable ships. It's just very rare. Which, and, by the way, do you think it was realistic that her hair grew that much in one year? Well, that seemed like a lot of hair. She must have been using space Rogaine or something because she's <laughs> something to, you know. She's got a good beautician. Don't worry, you know. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, they've they've. Uh, maybe although, they're. Uh, uh, maybe they're. Uh, Rodberry said right that you know why, why does Picard have hair and he said nobody would care by then. <laughs> yeah. Clear, clearly, <laughs> they've they've uh, overcome that issue in the Burnham verse. Yeah, that's a small thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't, that that's I don't number ninety six of my list of things that I've got wrong. <laughs> you know, but so, Booker, so Booker's. Well, I want to say Booker's ship when he, she first meets him. He says he has a quantum slipstream drive. Right. But he he needs uh, Baraxium crystals, or I can't remember the type of crystals he needs. Some His kind of ship crystals. Is awesome, by the way. Um. Way more interesting than Discovery, how it can reconfigure at will with uh, that. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I thought they, they have they do the programmable matter, which is the other thing they 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 act like they have magical type technology, like with the transporters that you're basically just yeah beaming the you know, transporter. Yeah, but they don't. But then it's very lacking in others, like the when they go to the planet with the Dilithium planet, and they say, well, it's, the radiation is so high, you know, we only stay there four hours. In, in today's day, we have radiation suits. You can't tell me they don't have some kind of radiation suit they could wear that when they went to the planet, they wouldn't have to necessarily take the drugs. They would have, you know, why not those little personal force field belts they have in the animated series? You know, it, I mean, it, I understand it has, by not, then not having that, it puts a clock on they're uh, when they're down there and they have to you know and then then there's the whole thing with the why does a computer change their appearance I yeah I, that that part I didn't understand either I mean it gave Doug Jones a chance to shine you know out of the and that's cool room. yeah I, I, and I yeah. like that was cool yeah I like to see him um, and I'm glad that he's because he's never had like a steady job he just does right. character stuff so I'm glad that a lot he's, of character acting he's had two you know, three seasons of this, and he's really the only, he's one of the only person that acts like he's in the military, and he acts like he's in Starfleet, and he's really the only character I really kind of like. Uh, the rest are, are kind of kind of bland and uh, don't have anything, you know, the, they, they yeah, did this last year. had death boners, too, so you got to kind of weigh that together. Yeah. He's, it's kind of a weird race. You know, and then, so you talked about holes. So one of the holes that I had a problem with, well, there's many in season three, was really the second to last, uh, or maybe it was the last episode, whatever the big, yeah, I think it was the last episode, where all of the Federation ships that were, with that were within inside the cloaked 
Federation. That bubble. <laughs> yeah. Bubble. Yeah, the bubble. And they're all firing on Discovery. Really? They didn't blow Discovery and kill everybody on that ship within minutes? That part I didn't understand. And then it gets out of the bubble, and they're getting fired on by, like, everybody, and it's still fine. Like, they still had shields. It's like, wait a minute. And they hadn't been upgraded because the last scene we see in the episode, that's when it had, like, its full refit, and it's black. Oh, I didn't notice that. Well, they do a lot of stuff. Like, they, they talk about they had these attachable in the cells. Like, okay... It's supposed to get better maneuverability for what? Is it for yeah. while you're in warp? Is it? I mean, you're not. This is not a. This is, ship's not supposed to land on the planet. It's not supposed to be atmospheric. So yeah. I don't. I didn't. It just looked cool, and it was like, okay, why yeah. is? Why do they have need to have these things? You know, it's not well, it like when it picked up uh, Saru and the, the Death Screamer. They came down to the planet. I know. Well, that's but that, that's the movies do that all the time. They held. Held the second movie had Enterprise underwater. Hey, I will defend <laughs> that scene until I die because if, if you're going to be in space, that blank needs to be airtight. So there's no reason why that ship couldn't go underwater. Oh, I have no problem with it, but it structurally is a difference between being able to stand yeah. space and being able to stand millions of gallons of water on top of you. But uh, it looked badass to him when it came out of the water. You know it. Uh, I don't know. Well, no, because the first thing I thought was it's not supposed to do that. <laughs> and this, so this, thing, is, this is my struggle with this show because I I don't hate it. I don't hate Discovery, but it frustrates me endlessly to the point where I almost cannot enjoy watching it because it's like this doesn't. A lot of it doesn't make sense. The 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 scene where the you know the episode where they go to Book's planet and they have all the this the space locus. <laughs> God, and they yes. decide they the decide death, the that death insects. Yeah, they decide yeah. that they don't seem to be doing anything except floating around. But apparently they're a, they're a plague, and yeah, they decide that well, all the crops. Yeah, they, you know, and apparently that's the only crop they grow. They don't grow anything else. That's um, it. Just wheat. wheat. Just wheat. Yeah. And they said, well, these two guys, you guys are empathic, so you can tell them to leave. They said, well, we, we thought about that, but you know, there's too many of them. Yeah, they're and supposed so, to go out to the ocean. They're supposed to live out in the ocean. Yeah, so Discovery decides, well, we're going to project a psychic amplification beam <laughs> on you guys. You know, as you do, Tim. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, deflector dish can do what, that deflector dish can do anything. It's like the totally. sonic screwdriver. <laughs> I, I will say one of the things that I like about the show is I do like the fact that we're seeing the ship in more of like a raw form. I've never been a huge fan of why is the ship painted? It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it's the same reason why they don't paint airplanes anymore. You know, it just doesn't, there's no point to it. I like that bare metal look, although I do feel like it's kind of changed colors over the season, like from like a silver to a bronze. And then it was black at the end of this episode or the last episode. Hmm. What are your feelings on the looks of the ship? Do you like that kind of more Scott Bakula Enterprise, not painted? I don't have a... I will say this. The show looks great. I mean, the effects are yeah. are movie quality. It's good. I mean, some of the designs of some of the stuff, is I think, is, is silly. But for for the way they pull it off, it looks, it looks spectacular. I mean, I think it's a little too... I don't like... 
uh, I like more focus phaser fire instead of the Star Wars just pew pew pews, which they do <laughs> all the time. Uh, and <laughs> but, Sorry, it just always reminds me of the, the, the first Star Trek movie, right, where he's going against the, the Romulan mining thing, and it's, it, it's a badass scene, right, where Kirk's father dies, and they have all those little laser cannons, right, on uh-huh. the rotating thing is just choo, 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 shooting everything everywhere and it's like yeah <laughs> then it's like and then as soon as the scene's over you're like wait a minute i thought they did control bursts <laughs> no. <laughs> what's no, this they said they said it on random and shoot everything you know yeah well and uh except for the the uniforms i think i hate i hate those discovery uniforms they're they're awful so i was glad at the end they finally dr white uniform the doctor one's not bad because it's it's more just looks, it's just white. It's the blue with the the complicated the silver or the gold. You don't the like silver, that? silver and gold. I don't like. I don't like the the complicated pipping on the arms to tell what rank they are. Uh, you know, if it's if it's uh, you know, at least the, at the end of the the show they got those kind of communist looking gray outfits. But, um, I will say those are kind of cool, though. It took me a second yeah. to like, oh, they have their own little color stripe. Yeah, that looks that looks nice because the other ones didn't have uh, that color differentiation. You know, you know when Pike came. It, it on. was it was hard to tell like a like a low rank physician from a high rank because I think everybody was in kind of silver, and then if you were like in a leadership role, you were had the bronze or gold color. Yeah, it's just it's plus plus. It was hard to tell who was going to get killed. Nobody was in red. That's right. <laughs> I will we say... We don't know who the sacrificial lambs were. For the sweaters in the group, like me, it just... Uh, I would not have enjoyed having a gray uniform. Let me, uh, let me ask you guys. Did you expect something bigger from David Cronenberg? Seeing him as a guest star, I, I got kind of surprised he came back. I thought he was going to turn out to be like the president of the Federation or something or something. He gave an interview where he said, you know, that he wanted to participate. You know, he was in Canada where they were filming, or he lives there or something, and you know, he was cheap, and so that's how <laughs> that's how they got him. I liked his character. You know, I liked him too because he was a well, little. Well, uh, here's hoping he shows up on Cobra Kai. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think he's supposed to be in season four. Is there a season four? I heard they got, yeah, I thought after the first episode they said they picked up. Uh, I, I would assume so, because they already, they greenlit uh, season two of Picard. Picard. It's already, I think, starting filming now. And I so, think Strange New Worlds is filming now. Well, Strange New Worlds, I'm looking forward to. I think that'll be great. I am too. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. a little different than this. And I, I love Anson... Right, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna complain and be like, oh, yeah, this is this I'll complain about it too. Yeah, how could they do this? No, I'm 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 hoping that uh, you know. Hey, I like, Dave, that's what, that's I, like what... I hope Rebecca Romine is back because she's a great number one. I liked. Um, I think she'll be. Um, what's his name is Captain Pike, and yeah, yeah so... he talked about rewriting history. He should be dead, guys. Dead. Not or in yet. his chair. No, the, remember in, the, in season two, he saw that that um, you don't yeah, know when that, that happened. That's, that's the Discovery universe. This is yeah, but this is way before he dies. Um, so back to the end of Discovery, though. Okay. Um, yes, John. 
What did you think of the end of Discovery season? What do you three? think? What do you think they're gonna do for season four? Then I thought this was like, let's just end it here. I mean, do we really want to see them become dilithium runners? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I think yeah, they left. They, they sort of they, left they, it. Oh, sorry. Go well, ahead. yeah, they kind of left it with a. If we don't do another season, it's okay. Right. We kind of, you know, wrapped everything up and Burnham's, you know, in yes. the chair. I. You know that they're not going to be. Well, they could be dropping off dilithium, but you know it would, it would have to be, I don't know, enemy of the week, I guess. Right? They go to the planet A, they drop it off, run into trouble, then they go. That'd to be nice B. if it's more episodic. I think it'll yeah. be like a year in the future, and they like will that. have they will have dispersed all this dilithium everywhere, and the Federation is getting back on its feet, and they will still be. Uh, I mean, I guess they're still going to be the same spore drive. I mean, they haven't explained why in the in the thirties, the thirty second, thirty first century, they can't replicate the spore drive because they've already shown that you don't need stamets to do it. Because Booker can just get in there and stick his hands in the goo and go anywhere. So they that was just... a new learning from our from our new Captain Pike in the chair. Yeah, yeah, that was a little. <laughs> I that... kept thinking. Yeah, I kept thinking that that was like the grown-up version of the kid from Home Improvement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his face. What? Who that? The scientist guy? Yeah. Um. <laughs> the kid from Home Improvement. One of the one of those three Macaulay boys. Macaulay Coughlin. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, the one's in jail. He just got arrested for something. Oh, oh, uh, his his older brother. Yeah, um, it's always the older brother. Wait, I'm the older brother. <laughs> um. Well, that guy's turn was like, uh, it was just like, okay, yeah, I'm not really a bad guy, but uh, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm working for the bad lady, but then I have a change of heart, and now it seems like he's part of the crew. Yeah. And, yeah. and then she force choked him. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, I thought she was a real disappointment, because she was, I mean, she, all she needed was a mustache that she could twirl, because she was such a, uh, uh, just a kind of a cardboard two-dimensional evil just an evil bad guy and then when she goes in to try to negotiate for peace it's like okay is she being serious here she doesn't she seems to be pretty reasonable and then he says yeah but you gotta go to jail nope okay i'm going back to being bad guy i'm out i'm out and i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna kill everybody Um, well i mean it's not unbelievable to think though that as soon as he put that term on the table right you know she she seen her she sees herself above all this right that she's as as equal to, you know, the the admiral of the Federation. Yeah, I, you know, I think she she, she... she thinks she has him on the ropes. Right, I think, I think she thinks thing. she's offering him yeah. peace, and you're going to jump at it. You're not going to, you know, I don't, right. you know, she said, I don't even have to be in charge. I'll let somebody else be in charge, but, you know, I'll right. pull my strings in the back. But uh, I thought what she was... What do you a... think of the, guy, of the admiral, by the way? We haven't really talked about him, so... In, in season three, there there is still a small contingent of Federation. The first person she meets, who we see again at the end of the season, is the hologram at the... It was like, I don't want to say a listening post, but it was just an outpost. That he poor, was the only... poor schmo, they've been waiting here for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. hadn't seen anybody. Yeah. Um, and we see him again at the end of the episode where he's made a full-fledged 
kind of member of the Federation. And yeah. I have my issues with because he walks off into the elevator. It's like, you're a freaking hologram. Why, do you, why are you walking? I don't, I don't think he's a hologram. I think he's, he's a not human. A hologram. He just I had... thought he was a hologram. Oh, no, no, I think he had all that holographic stuff around him. Yeah. His bed, oh. his, his, all that programmable matter, I think. That was just him. Yeah. I think he was a... Because he said his father was stuck there, too. And they just been yeah. stuck in that little listing post. I thought okay, the, okay. I like the actor that plays the the admiral. That's the guy okay. from the Mummy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I thought he made him a little wishy washy and just not. He would like he would put his foot down like, you know, yeah. Michael Burnham. You you broke all the rules. What do you think I'm going to tell you? And she and she basically tells him, well, I did this. I did this. You should do this. She basically breaker. tells yeah tells him what to do. Mm, Maverick. And and uh, okay, you, you can't be you can't be number one anymore. Oh my God, she's the space Sarah Palin. Yeah, she, <laughs> you know she can't be number one anymore because she broke Suru's trust. Yet the next episode, nope, we need you to go and negotiate with the Vulcans and the Romulans. And then by the end of the season, oh, not only are you not demoted anymore, you're captain. Because hey, but now Stamus doesn't trust her. You can see that. Oh come on, he's gonna he's gonna. He's gonna, Grow up, Stamets. He's gonna. Stamets is gonna. And at what point? <laughs> he's kind explain of an to me. emotional queen, isn't he, John? He's just constantly. <sighs> They're all emotional. They're all just on the verge of breaking down and crying. And at what point did he? Did he adopt? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Adira. 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 At, at one point, he calls her his child. Is like, when did? When did you? Uh, when did you and your husband decide to adopt this person? She is person? the first non-binary character in a Star Trek show, by the way, as well as her, I guess, he, lover? Gray? No, he's a trans. A, he's trans. He, yeah. He's trans. Gray is trans. She's non-binary. She's non-binary. She's the I first know. non-binary actor, but they've had non-binary characters because Riker fell in love with one of them. Yeah. She's got a badunkadunk on her, I'm just saying. I think um, I think their pronoun is preferred they, they. for Adira yeah. and Ray. Yeah, she said so. Well, both of them? Because I she kept they're... calling him her boyfriend. Or Okay, I'm say her, I, I but don't I mean... Know. I, 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 don't. I don't recall, no. but anyway. But yeah, no, they're great characters. I like Gray a lot. I hope that we'll see more of Gray coming up oh, if trust we do me, get a fourth gonna, season. They're going to find someone. I want, I want more Jet come, Reno. Gonna... <laughs> oh, I can't, stand, I can't stand her either. She just pops oh, up. She pops up, makes a quirky comment, eats something, and then just you don't see her for four episodes. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about uh, Tig? Tig, uh, Tig, Tig Navarro. Yeah, I yeah. love her character. She's so funny, <laughs> but she's totally underutilized. By the way, well, yeah, you don't, like, you don't like her character? Not particularly. I think I think she's playing whoever. She's a comedian, the right? Are worse than yeah. Him. I like well, Tig. I think Tig's cool. I don't mind that we see Tig every now and then. <laughs> I like great. that she calls out Stamets on his on his BS. Yeah, you know that she's just as smart as he is. Well, that's, like, but, you know, that's the well, that's the that's the weird thing. Again, we go back to no structure. Stamets is the head engineer, right? He's like Scotty, isn't he? Am I correct? Is he the head engineer? No, he's he's more head science. I thought he's always in engineering. Well, that's, that's Michael. It's Michael like is the mushroom guy. Well, I thought he was the head engineer, and Tilly was an engineer. But Tilly's always the one that's on the bridge. They're all engineers. But yeah, I don't know. It's confusing. Um, 
All Stamets. Anyway. Uh, I'm trying to see what it says his rank is. I think he's commander. I don't know. Because when Tilly takes first officer, they said they still call her Ensign Tilly, but she's first officer. He says, so technically you're in charge of me. I'm like, I don't, John, quote, tell me if I'm right or wrong. That doesn't he's work that way, right? Lieutenant Commander. <laughs> wow. wow. And Ensign, Ensign is the lowest of the officer ranks. It's the it's right. the first of the officer ranks. And yeah. then you have Lieutenant, then Lieutenant Commander, Commander, Captain. And Suru is Commander. Michael Burnham is just Michael Burnham. So <laughs> she's Michael Burnham PI. Yeah. So <laughs> that that's why, you know, when you think about this, when you're putting an ensign in second in command, it should be a commander or a lieutenant commander. Um well, you don't, that would have been you don't uh, put an ensign in Kila Kila, the one that has the face bionic piece. Detmer? 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 The pilot? Yeah. The yeah. pilot? Yeah. Which by the way. What happened to her whole PTSD arc? That just like disappeared. That's like, like so many like others. The allergies. Well, what about the spare gone. data? They kept handing it the spare data had had merged with Discovery's computer, and we saw bits of it, and occasionally it would pop up and be a Dust Ex Machina. But where and did, then, where and did then it that turn into cute little toys at the end? Yeah, where yeah. did that where did that go? Nothing nothing happened with that. Um, I that's it was one, in those. That's one of the big disappointments that I had when. When the sphere data merged with Discovery, I thought that was really cool. I was like, this is awesome. They're going to be able to get all kinds of great insights because they said the thing had been around for like 100,000 years or something, right? Yeah. And clearly it was sentient. And then just like nothing it's, happened. It's there was like it's a dropped. couple of bloops in like a couple episodes where you're like, oh, that's the sphere data because the voice would change to the computer or it would make some odd noises. And then we saw nothing until the very end where I love the fact that they have the little repair robots and it downloaded itself into the repair robots. Well, but, if it's, man, if it's, what a missed opportunity. Right, if it was uh, if it was in the computer, if it was basically in the core system of Discovery, in the computer? why couldn't it transfer or why couldn't it control all of it? It seemed to me there were hundreds of those little those little repair drones. Yeah. Drones. Why couldn't it just take over all of them and have them overrun the whoever the bad guy the the, the I heard somebody call them they were Daft Punk guys the guys in the motorcycle <laughs> options the, the regulators the, the regulators. regulators yeah regulators right. the G G Funk and the regulators we don't need um, another hero <laughs> all we want is life beyond the Thunderdome okay I got bad trivia here uh, the actress that played Osira. Is Margot Kidder's niece? Oh, really? I, yeah. I can see it. Kind see of, her out of makeup, yeah. and you can see it. In well, in makeup, now that I think about it, she looks a little, a little like her. What did you guys think of the the big fight scene with um, the, the turbo cars? That they weren't in shafts anymore. It seemed like they were in this huge warehouse thing. What was that? That was weird. And is the ship that big, really? Yeah, I don't know. The ship looks so ridiculously large. That's like an awful like lot of wasted space. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> yeah, it made for good TV. You know, at first I was like, ooh, and then I'm, and then like you guys, I was thinking about. It, I'm like, that's a huge area. Like, yeah. where are they? Yeah, <laughs> are they in like the central hub? How did you? Uh, what did you think of Michael Burton invoking Kirk when 
the, the Osiris or Osiris says, sounds like a no-win scenario, and Burnham says, yeah. I don't like I don't like those, or I don't believe in those, or something. I don't believe in no-win scenarios. Doesn't her brother write the, the program for that? Oh, no, that's in uh, Kelvin. <laughs> By the way, just to answer the question, so for Tilly, there were one, two, three, four, five, five other lieutenants, six. I had her. Sorry, six. Yeah, that would have been in line way before her. Just saying. That's why it doesn't seem like there's any, there's any uh, rank. Why, why even bother having rank? Why not just say, you know, we're all, you know, we're all in this together. We're all going to do whatever we want to do. It's not. Um, that that drove me crazy because it's like that's not Starfleet. So it's interesting in all of this conversation is, we're saying we don't like this, we like this, we don't like this. At the end of the day. We're all happy that we have more Star Trek. Yeah. More Star Trek. Please, more. And when the Captain Pike series comes out, this is why I keep paying for the CBS All Access, because it's like, okay, give me the Captain Pike series. Give me another season of Picard. Give me Philippa Giorgio, Section 31 PI. Uh, I don't don't think I want the section, because somebody pointed out, Section 1, nobody should know about Section 31. That's how it works. And it seems like everybody knows about Section 31. <laughs> Maybe she'll be Section 32. Section 31 <laughs> is the diversion. Section 32 well, is Well, that's the, the old that's section. Really... She comes back and yes. makes it 32. <laughs> well, uh, overall, I like the Discovery series. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. It was entertaining. I mean, Yeah, not... with all of its warts, right, John? It's still good. It is. I mean... It's entertaining television. What, 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 did, he, what did we say... A few weeks back, like if people would just read the comic and enjoy the comic for what it is, and forget all of this canon, just read it and enjoy it for what it is. The same thing. Gosh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's uh, what I did. I'm like, it's I liked it. I just took it for what it was. Yeah, I have the nitpicks and stuff, but that just makes me. That means I care about the show because I'm like, oh well, nah, nah, that this or that. But overall, I liked it. I thought it was a good, you know, good story overall. Um, I prefer the, well, Tim, I think it was you who said it doesn't feel like Star Trek to you. It kind of doesn't to me either, but then Enterprise didn't either for kind of the same reasons. Um, but, you know, if season if their season four is more back to the roots of Star Trek that, we're, that I'm used to anyway, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll it's say it, become, I'm used to it. The original off. series, yeah. Voyager, you know, Next Gen, where it's kind of... Episodic, episodic go out explore new worlds that kind of stuff that's that's what i enjoy about star trek do more so. starfleety stuff i mean and that's funny you yeah. said about enterprise because i i'm a huge fan of enterprise and that's usually the one show that a lot of trek fans don't like um dude they hate they hate the show they hate they even hate the intro music i don't I have, no problem. Yeah, I have no problem with the song <laughs> i have no problem with uh with oh my gosh that's deep <laughs> deep cuts in the star uh, trek community uh, well there's a interesting uh, there's a YouTube uh, video I saw about why why does Discovery not feel like Star Trek? And they did it. It's about a 20-minute thing, and they go over, and it makes a lot of sense that they talk about it. A lot of it is the lighting are you, is Tim, very. Are you in your Are you in your bubble? Am I in my bubble? Are you Are you just finding videos? No, that agree with no. Your already established point of view. I was looking for for <laughs> reviews of. Uh, um, yeah, no, right. I, you googled Star Trek Discovery sucks. <laughs> Show me more stuff that agrees with me. I did not. I did not. 
Now they talked about that a lot of it was the lighting, and it is. It's very different than the kind of yeah. flat lighting you would see in yeah. next gen. It's very um, dynamically lit. Right. Or even any of the Star Trek shows. It, the lighting's different. The the camera movement is different. And this is something that I noticed that really kind of drives me crazy is you never see a static shot. The camera is always moving. Even if it seems yeah. like a static shot, it's drifting a little one way or the other. Or and, turning on its side like they did on the, yeah, uh, flipping over. the planet at the end. I was just like, oh, yeah. okay, man. <laughs> and I think that I chalked that up to the lighting and, a, and the camera it's movement. Just modern it's, filming it's, techniques. It's, yeah, it's just it's, modern. Yeah. It's modern TV. But, you know, the point with the, the video was uh, that may be why it doesn't feel like Star Trek to some people, even on a, on a kind of a subconscious level. You may think, well, this just doesn't feel right because it doesn't look like next gen or the voyager or ds9 or because think about when you saw star trek uh generations the first uh, next gen movie the lighting was very different it was much uh, more dramatic and harsher because yeah. you were getting light and that's the first thing i thought like, why does it look so different in here everything looks so new and bright yeah it was you can't dark. see everything it's all dark dark, yeah, it was dark. oh yeah. i thought everything looked too too like polished and in in generations the enterprise was dark it was like they'd shut off all the regular lights and they had like one one off in the corner sitting there Riker's tripping over his new uniform <laughs> no lights go to one ping <laughs> there are four lights um <laughs> Have you seen that meme where it's Picard and he says, Alexa, order four lights. And it's like, <laughs> ordering five lights. Uh, that's great. Uh, well, you know, as uh, if you've stuck with us this far, this was not our intention to, to take up, I don't know, Three hours. two hours of time. Two whenever hours, we edit out. Yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't want anybody to think, this is just for me that I'm not. I don't come here to, to, to bag on Discovery. It may not be. It may not be my Star Trek, but you know, it's, it's somebody. Gonna it's, somebody. It's, it's somebody's it's Star be somebody. Trek. It sounds like yep. it's your your and John's, and that's that's great. You know, if you guys, I, I, I'm not trying to take that away from you. My wife is loving it. My wife is loving it. I'm I'm I'm. You know, it's it it is funny, and I I can't blame the shows for what's happening to me lately. But um, as we're watching the finale, I fell asleep. You're getting old. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I'm getting old, but also the thing is like I, I'm, my, uh, just because of the way things are in the house with the Christmas decorations, or that finally got them down. But um, just we've gotten into the habit of watching TV in the bedroom rather than out in the living room, uh-huh. and so I'm actually laying That's in a bed. Zone, Brian. It is, it is, and I'm just like, you know, just <laughs> done. But uh, you know, then I went and watched it on my uh, my computer screen instead, and caught the caught the rest of it. I really enjoyed it, though. Um, but I've I've been one of those that can pretty much enjoy most of this stuff. I I know that I have my issues in you know previous years with Voyager and then Enterprise, uh, and that was more I mean, with Voyager. It was you know just Rick Berman's formula of of Star Trek shows that have worn thin and turned it into basically a Mad Libs script every episode um but and then just uh, i'm sorry but enterprise had its own different things it just made it a little bit less you know a little bit less i'll say the only missteps i found really with enterprise and it's some of the same thing kind of discovery is doing because i thought 
at the beginning of this season, oh, they're jumping 900 units, so they've got a clean slate. You know, because before they were wedged between, kind of butted up right up to TOS, so they kind of couldn't mm-hmm. do, although it didn't right. stop them, they did whatever they wanted to. Now they're in the far future, they can do absolutely whatever they want to. And they kind of kept referring back to uh, TOS to the existing stuff. And I think Enterprise, when, the missteps it made was when it would, like it brought the Romulans in a little too early, that Ferengi show, uh, when it was dipping in, like, stuff this hasn't happened yet, but we're going to kind of, we want we want to present some familiar things. You know, the yeah, Borg for a episode. show that's set 900 years in the future, and I don't mean to cut you off, Tim, they sure did look to the past an awful lot. Yeah. And, and then that, that was one of the, the things I had in the back of my mind as I was watching it, like the whole, and I think it was a two-parter where it was Burnham had called like some kind of Vulcan rite of fact. I, I don't know, remember what the name that's it was, but it was like... three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, the truth, you know, the truth will set us free kind of episodes. And, you know, I'm like, why are we doing this again? You know, if we're 900 years in the future, first of all, the first thing I would have done when I found the Federation would have been bring my technology up to current level. Because the thing we did see that I liked at the beginning of the, the start of the show was Remember they went to Earth and found out it was not the Federation anymore. It was some kind of like coalition of planets or whatever, some dumb thing. And they got rocked. Remember the planetary yeah. defense just like shot holes through the ship. And they were like, well, we got to get out of here. <laughs> um, yeah, they did get new technology. That's how they got the, the new com badges that will transport them anywhere. And yeah, but they bring up a heads up display right in front the of ship. them. Which is, you, you know, know, where our, our phones will be in about five years. Probably. I want that personal <laughs> transport technology personally. But, no transporter technology for me. Sorry. Uh-uh. Not sending my molecule somewhere else. It's just going to kill us and create a well, new Well, that one. didn't even seem like you were being ah. It was more like, that truly was like more like Harry Potter. They were just, just disappearing yeah. and reappearing. Uh, Mortal jumping. And apparently you couldn't, and somebody brought it up that they, they had, his book or, uh, or books at this, they had, when they were trying to beam out, he said, no, they've got um, transporter suppressors or something like that. Well, don't you think a ship would naturally have that so people couldn't just beam onto your bridge and take it over? Right. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that it, it's it's that kind of logic that that's, doesn't... That's getting installed Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I thought Apparently. Shields always did that in the old episodes, right? We yeah, Shields should. Because their Shields are up. Well, I could, I could, then I could say, well, but this new transport, this new technology can go through Shields. But then the, you think they would have new Shields. But Well, that goes back to the full retrofit, right? Like, yeah. It should have taken like ten episodes just for that ship to be retrofitted up to current standards, because you think about it, if they're nine hundred years in the future, that'd be like you and me getting a car from nineteen oh five and somebody saying, "Hey, can you drop a supercharged Corvette <laughs> engine into this?" Are you kidding? It's nine hundred years in the future. They can sit there and snap their fingers and make oh, yeah. it new. You know. Well, they got all those little robots. Yeah. Well, I keep that, about, that was the about, other thing that they um, didn't talk about. All the and this had been brought up before that that oh okay dilithium's gone or it's very very scarce so they, they said they tried to look into other alternatives to uh, to warp well they had one with a slipstream drive they had developed that and that never apparently got although books that he had it on his ship he just didn't have the right crystals uh, they also experimented with the soliton wave you know which was where the, the wave would push ships you would have warp. Oh, and, yeah, they had that next-gen episode. Yeah, it was a next-gen episode. And uh, Romulans, their ships don't work 
they don't work with they don't have a they run off a quantum singularity yeah they don't have dilithium. black they don't, hole they don't have dilithium so they don't even need it and in next gen's time they said they told scotty in relics that they recrystallize their own dilithium so why couldn't they um and here's the other thing about this. i know well when when the Saruk or what was the guy on the planet Sakur, Sakur, the, the kid. <laughs> the Screamer. The Screamer. Sakur, whoever, the Screamer. When he first flipped out, and when he, you know, obviously we saw his mom die, it's when he sent off his big blast and sent everything inert. Wouldn't Tell that, him, I love him. <laughs> wouldn't that make the, the dilithium on the planet inert so it wouldn't be any use to, to, uh, to mine it? Because he would have caused it to become inert when he. How too many questions, Tim. <laughs> too many questions. You're digging too deep. I know. Stay at the surface level. <laughs> Stay at the surface. Well, and speaking of surface level, yeah, we have gone. We've gone way deep. off the rails. So deep, you know. And this is this is the joy of fandom, right? Whether it's comic books or television shows. And we can get into all kinds of stuff. I'm watching Expanse, too. I don't know if any of you guys are watching I, it. I, I have really like it. I heard it's really good. It's so good. Um, it is. A, it starts a little slow, but it ramps up. Um, and you don't have all the continuity problems, Tim. You could just sit down and watch it. Yeah. Um, you know, it started its new season uh, here recently. If you've got any feelings about what happened at the Capitol, comics that you missed out on that you wish you would have bought, comics that you wished you hadn't sold um discovery what else did we talk about john uh last time oh we talked about oh gosh it's kind of a blur <laughs> any um, opinions on stuff that we've just talked about we want to hear from you right john yeah absolutely yeah, tell us what your favorite books and stuff are what do you want us to talk about too how about ice do you like it cubed or crushed or do you like those little pellets that they give it oh don't even get me into that artisan. Did you, by the way, did you see now fridges are coming with artisan ice dispensers so you can have your... Like a round salt. cube or yeah. big, your big solid I've seen those. I've seen those. Yeah. Seen those. <laughs> you mean you don't, you don't go with the... Uh, was see, it the rocks? These guys the rocks that you uh, chill <laughs> so it doesn't water your drink down? <laughs> Brian brought up one little tiny thing and now it could lead to an hour discussion about ice. Oh... <laughs> So you can find us, if you go on Facebook, search Third Degree Burn, you'll find us. You can, you know, Tim and Brian are meticulous in posting every episode. Um, so you can find our episodes there. And you can comment right there about what you like, what you didn't like, if you want me to shut up, if you want to hear more from John, if you want to talk to Brian about different kinds of ice cubes, um, if you want to talk about how to go hiking in the desert with Tim. It's all there. We definitely want to do more of these cocktails and comics kind of discussions. Maybe in the future I'll tell you about the great Oreo comparison study that we did one time at work. <laughs> that was very fun. It was kind of oh, cool. Oh, okay. I'm making a note of that right now. Study. Yeah. <laughs> yep, let me write that down and yeah. let me uh, here. Well, these are... Well, these are... Right into the trash. <laughs> this is... Uh, <laughs> This is fun because it's not a structure. It's like I didn't have to do homework. I didn't have to read stuff. It was just kind of mm-hmm. sit down at the computer and talk to you guys. So uh, that's it's it's freeing. It's you know it's 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 much more free and it's kind of a loose format. So what, 
you know, that's what it's going to be. I think we do these. It's going to be just uh, uh, a shoot the shoot the thing, breeze, you know, shoot the breeze kind of episode. Just talk about whatever we want to. Yeah, and and it's all about relaxing, you know. In these difficult times, sometimes it's nice just to, you know, get the emotion out there about what the current thing is that's going on in the world that we really have no control over. We mean, we can pers- you know persuade those around us a little bit to maybe see the light or change opinions, whatever. But then we can just escape out to our favorite thing, you know, you our will. favorite like Star Trek. You, you will, will yes, like Star Trek. You will Lower sign up decks. for CBS All Access. <laughs> no, we don't get a cut. No, no, we don't. Oh, well. I know. Email me. I'll send you my uh, my my login. PayPal. <laughs> well, that'll do it for us. I think for tonight. Uh, with that, we'll go around the table and uh, say, Brian, thank you for joining. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Tim, thank you for joining. Uh, it was a blast, guys. Thanks. And John, thank you for joining. Had a good time. Great to hang out with everyone. All right. Well, that'll do it. We'll talk to you guys on the next episode, which will be Cocktails and Comics Round 3. And David, thanks for arranging this. Yes. Yeah, thanks. This is just an excuse to drink. Uh, What? (laughs) And hang out with friends. (laughs) And hang out with friends. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.